What's up, everyone? We are back for the first regular episode of Game Face for 2019. It is episode 153 right here on Sifted Games at sifted.net. I know you guys may think it's really slow right now with the games. It is a little slow. Yeah. But Maybe you're just looking straight at releases. Yeah. But uh, we have plenty of games to talk about on today's episode. Some crazy topics to discuss as well. A lot of weird stuff has been going on in the industry. 2019 is not even two weeks old and it needs to slow down. Already. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a couple things we want to talk about before we get on with the show. First of all, we are having a summit on Thursday. Uh, the second Sifted Summit. And basically we're going to invite everybody in who wants to give any kind of input on the future of Sifted. Uh, we are looking at completely revamping our Patreon, creating new goals and things like that. And we want your input on all that stuff. So keep an eye on Sifted's official Twitter account, at Sifted Games. Uh, and we'll kind of set up a, a time for you guys to uh, join us here on Twitch to go through it all. Low frills, not entertainment. It's all about us getting together and putting our heads together and try to figure out the best way forward for Sifted. So keep an eye on our Twitter account, and we'll give you guys a time where we can all get together and discuss what we're going to do. Uh, folks watching the show on YouTube, first of all, thank you. Uh, second of all, it would be great if you guys could kick us some money on our Patreon. If you can't, a good way to make up for that is to help contribute to us through Twitch Prime. There are instructions on how to do that down in the description. Uh, it literally takes like two minutes if it's the first time. If you've already set up your account, it is one click and it takes like two seconds. So we'd appreciate it if you guys could do that, but really we would hope you guys would consider contributing to our Patreon because Twitch Prime money is great, but it's very inconsistent, it's hard to count on. Our Patreon is a little bit more reliable in that regard. Um, also, one other thing before we get going, uh, Vincent was very generous to share in chat that a story broke as we were getting ready for the show, apparently the Star Wars game that Amy Hennig has been work that Amy Hennig was working on before she left and then was picked up by EA Vancouver, mm -hmm. right, has been canceled altogether. Because for some reason, making a Star Wars game is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell is going on over there? They're just dropping the ball. Open world game. Just take Assassin's Creed Odyssey, give them a lightsaber, and you're done. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, what? Put the put the you know, give me fifteen robes to wear. Let me change the color. Run around, hack people up with a lightsaber, climb over stuff. Fun. Steal hovered your cars. Like, what's the story? Well, you're a Jedi. You're done. Like yeah. I said, you're, just just put a put a game out. Come on. Pretty ridiculous. What the hell. Yeah, and and you guys probably know that Amy left, and they tried to salvage the project, and apparently they were unable to do so. Man, which, if you, I mean. LucasArts used to put out, like, five things a year. And, like, yeah, half of them were terrible, but, like, yeah. they did it, yeah. you know? Like, they didn't care that much about quality back then. No. And every once in a while, you get a great one. Yeah. And every once in a while, you get the Clone Wars. Right. And, you know, it's just, yeah. like, you it's take fine. What, you take, the, like, anything with yeah. life. You take the good with They the can't bad. all be TIE Fighter. Exactly. We know that. Yeah, so... But at this like point, they all have to be Battlefront, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, EA has gone from dropping the ball to... Like, they don't even know where the ball is Yeah, they now. just, like... It's in some other court now. <laughs> it's like, where do we where do we put the ball? Yeah, it's, it's really really bad. I will say this though, it does give me even more hope that Respawn's game will come out this year. Yeah, I mean somebody's got to do something right. You have to have some faith in something for them to drop a project. Vince Zampella is not going to screw that up. He's Vin not going to screw it up. He's not. It's not going to take him three or four years to make no. it either. Like he, I promise, I guarantee you, Vince has a Star Wars game in his head. Yeah. That he's like that he's had he's, in his he, head since he was like yeah. ten. He's like, man, we made you know, that has to be pretty simple compared to creating Titanfall from basically scratch. Right. Right? I know. I mean, that's a good point. 
They aren't having to create hardly anything from scratch. The universe is there. The characters are there. The, the sounds are done. The sounds are there. <laughs> the models are there. Yeah. It's all in frostbite already. For the, you know, I, I never would have imagined when we heard that EA got the Star Wars license that it would end up like this. It's amazing. It's incredible yep. what has happened. So there you go. Another Star Wars game off the block. I don't know. And now we're going to get, what, Battlefront 3 Maybe next Fallen year? Jedi is just about, like, this deal. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a thinly veiled metaphor for the yeah, EA Star Wars. We're gonna Wars pay real deal. attention to the plot yeah. in that game and see if we I can would pluck it out. Absolutely not put that past Vince. <laughs> I would not either. Like <laughs> to just sort of like, yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just make this game that's gonna save their like calendar year yeah. and it's gonna be a thinly veiled criticism of them. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that would that would be very in character. Yep. Okay, so before we get on with the show, I do wanna bring up one other thing. Uh, Sifted user Wally, um, who has been on the site literally since the beta. Uh, gave us a huge donation over the holidays. And, you know, we run uh, the Sifter Patreon stuff throughout the show. But I just want to give him a specific call out because he donated a ton of money to Sifted as kind of a Christmas gift to us. So I just want to say thank you very much, Wally. Uh, we appreciate it very much. So, yeah, And actually, one more thing. Uh, we are uh, starting the storm of the year here in L.A. Meaning it's going to rain uh, for more than 10 minutes. Like, th with, like the next three days, L.A. is supposed to get more rain than it got all last year. Yeah. Uh, so because L.A.'s infrastructure is garbage, uh, there is a real possibility the Internet or the power could go out while we're doing this. So if that happens... Wait for the archive. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we, we live in a we live in what is basically a giant thirteen million person tent. Yeah. <laughs> when, when it comes to the, the infrastructure. Uh, also, so. when it rains here, it's like the world's ending. So yeah. It'll like, probably take me about three hours to drive home after this. Yeah. It's just just <laughs> potholes and Priuses skidding across the road. People and this, freak yeah, out over the rain here. It's so sad. But anyway, with that, let's get on with the first real episode of Game Face for 2019. And we're going to talk first about a game that was released back in 2012. Wow. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's been that long. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to talk about New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe. The increasingly inaccurately named New Super Mario Brothers franchise. Right, right. When, when New Super Mario Brothers U came out, I, I think I recall myself saying, you could not come up with a dumber name. <laughs> and then they did by adding the word deluxe onto yeah. the end of it. There's a tradition there, you know, DX used to be what they'd tack on, like the right. Game Boy updates of the Mario Brothers. You know, I remember the Game Boy Color had Super Mario Brothers DX. Right. Yeah, they've been using that moniker yeah. for a while. They should probably go back to the DX. I'd also like to thank, uh, I think, Chris Kohler on Twitter, who, who uh, called out the whole Brothers Bros thing, yeah. which is the dumbest thing. I mean, there's a, there's a whole thing where, like, the younger YouTube kids call the game Super Mario Bros. Uh, like they, and for a while I thought, oh, that must be like their nickname for this. Like, but no, they think that's actually the name of the game. I'm like, no, it's Super <laughs> Mario Brothers. It's a, it's a stylization of the title because if you shorten Brothers to Bros like that, you can make the title bigger on the arcade game marquee. Right. That was the reason yeah, they did why, that. Yeah. And they've just kept that. But it's not Super Mario Bros. It's not Smash Bros. It's Brothers. Yeah, I mean, we say and that if you as a insist, joke. If you insist on saying bros, you also have to call it Dur Mario and Donkey Kong Jur. <laughs> That's the rule. <laughs> because that it. makes it just as much sense. I am down with that. I'm, I'm totally <laughs> in line with that. So we're going to talk but, about... But I forgot this game came out, so I didn't play it. Yeah, it came out this past Friday. Like, it seems like all Nintendo games come out on Fridays now. 
Friday. Remember they used to come out on Sundays sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Uh, but this one came out this past Friday. I've been playing it over the weekend. I've been playing it for a few days now. Um, first off, I think people are probably wondering, okay, what are the changes or the updates for Deluxe versus the six-year-old Wii U game? Well, Bowsette, we know that. <laughs> yes, th so you're going to see it right Peach now. There's, there's, there are two new characters that you can play as in the game. Mm -hmm. um, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> And it also, it also They've includes, rolled in um, Super Luigi. Yeah, includes Super Luigi. <laughs> Super U. Luigi U, which qualifies as the third worst title for a video game ever. That is rolled into this game as one package. And if, for those of you who don't remember, it's 84 extra levels, but they're it's basically like the the game plus mode. It's a little more difficult. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like a lost levels thing. It's like, it's like expert mode because Luigi is faster. He slides more. He's not as responsive. Mm -hmm. So it's basically an extra mode to play afterwards for the people who really want to get good at, at the game or feel like they are good at the game. So that has been rolled into the package here. Now, the cost of the game is 60 bucks. It is a full-priced game, um, which is a little hard for me to swallow if you're going to repackage. And this really is a repackage. We've had the debates about Smash Brothers. This undoubtedly is just a port yeah. of the game to Switch, which I think is you know that's fine. Like anything, yeah. anything that was exclusive to the Wii U, I think should come to Switch just because nobody played it. Otherwise, you know, they'll get lost. Frankly, yeah. like I mean, I think that's gonna happen to stuff like that Fatal Frame game. Yeah, um, probably Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Yep. Um, I mean, I, I I think if you leave it on the Wii U, it's gonna get it's gonna get lost. Basically. I always forget the name of that Platinum game. That was there at launch. Wonderful 101? Yeah. That's yeah, that's one. another great one. That's, I'm surprised that hasn't already come, frankly. Yeah, that probably should have been one of the first ones, but there's probably licensing or some mm, other Some of it might just be like, issue. I mean, there's kind of a thing about, like, you know, the, the touchscreen on the gamepad on the Wii U, like, complicates kind of the transition a little bit, but it's like, if you can get uh, The World Ends With You on there, and it's not like that translated perfectly because of the, you know, having to translate it from, like, the touchscreen on the DS... Um, but it, it works. You know, it's better than not having it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the only other change is they remodeled a couple character heads for the game. And there's some light texturing work. And they've put aliasing on the shadows. And that's it. Okay. <laughs> or no, they've... they've They've anti-aliasing. They put the anti-aliasing on the shadows. Now the shadows aren't as aliased. Okay. But otherwise, it is so a. It's also 1080p upgrade. instead of 720p. All right. I so mean, I do like how the you know the, the the new Super Mario Brothers look is a very very clean. I think it looks really good in high resolution. So that's that's cool. Yeah. Um, I and here here's another thing. I had not played much of the original. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I've, I've mentioned it many times. I didn't play I'm not the world's biggest 2D Mario fan anymore. No, me neither. I, I thought 3D World was much better than this. Yep. Agreed. Uh, I played, I think, the first two worlds when it came out mm -hmm. the first time. Uh, so I experienced a lot of the game this time that I did not the first time. And uh, I will say that that's a shame because the further I got into the game, the better it got and the more I enjoyed it. I felt like the first couple levels were... Just stereotypical 2D Mario stuff, and the, the more I played, the more worlds that I got to, the more interesting the game became, the better the level design became, the more rewarding the secrets became. And you can see here, the game is just loaded with secret areas to discover and places to, to find. Um, a big part of the game is collect everything. It's a Mario game. So as usual, if you collect 100 gold coins, you get an extra man. 
but there are also three star coins that you need to find in each level. And obviously there's risk and reward attached to each one of those. Um, and so it makes it a little more challenging to collect them. They're harder to find sometimes where you have to activate something for them to appear, or you'll be in one part of the level and you'll see the, the coin. And then you have to backtrack and try to figure out how do I actually get mm. to it. It's funny how I still kind of think of the red coin thing as a new feature, but it's 23 years old. Yeah. Now it is at this point. Yes, you're right, though. I look at it that way, too. When I started playing this, I was like, oh, that's right. They have the red coins in this. Like, yeah. They've had it in, like, the five prior Mario yeah, games. they've had it since Mario 64. Yeah, it's, it's been a thing since then. So um, uh, it's still 2D Mario. And there aren't really any tricks or gimmicks. or And, and I think a lot of people will appreciate that. There's no uh, Poltergust. There's no Water Cannon. There's no real gimmicks to this game at all. It's just straight-up 2D Mario platforming action. There's no cappy. No, and it's challenging. I'll say that, too. I, I wonder how far kids make it through, or made it through this game when it came out for Wii U, and how far they're going to make it once they play the Switch version. Um, as a platforming veteran, I definitely found plenty of challenge, even in the first couple worlds. Well, this is the one where, like, if you fail too much, you can get, like, the, the invincible, like... Yep. Luigi or something like that? So there, well, it's not really that. They show you how to, so if you die several times in a row, you get an option. You can get an option to show you how to go through the level, and they'll actually play a video of Luigi making it through the level, at least the way Nintendo thinks you should go through the level. Mm -hmm. And then if you want, after you watch that, or if, you can choose not to watch it if you want as well. But after that's done, you can choose to either replay the level, or you can choose to just skip it all together. And go to something else and get back, kick back out to the map screen. Um, so, yeah, all that stuff is still in place. All the noob-friendly, like... But, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't actually help you get through the level. Like, you still have to have the dexterity and the timing and the skill to, to get through it. They just show you kind of the ideal path. It can be helpful to show you how to get some of the, the coins, uh, the star coins. And there's three on each level. And you can see in what you're seeing right now, I have two out of the three right now on this level. If you look up at the top left there. Um, collecting it all, I mean, it's really just for completionists. It's not like you get crazy bonuses or anything. Uh, there are power-ups that you find throughout the game that are added to your collection. And when you're back out on the map screen, if you're having trouble with a level, you can activate one of those power-ups that will help you get through the level. Uh, and then, of course, there's four-player co-op, which is probably the biggest feature in this game. And it is still cool and just really case, fun. Just in case you have some friendships you'd like to end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but I, here's one thing I would say after playing a good a good bit of this. I've not finished it, but I've, I'm a little over halfway there, I'm guessing, based upon the, the number of stages that I've completed so far, is I should have given it more of a chance back when it came out for Wii U because I'm enjoying it way more than I thought I was going to. Um, and the other thing I would say is if you're burned out on 2D Mario games, that's, this isn't going to change yeah. it. It's, it's not so good that it's going to change your opinion of it and make you want to maybe go back and play some of the other 2D Mario games that you missed. And the third thing I would say is that after having Mario Maker, 2D Mario games, to me, the value of them, just it's just not the same anymore. Hmm. Because, I don't know, some of the levels that I played in Mario Maker were some of the most creative Mario levels I've ever played in my life. And now that I'm going back through, this is the latest 2D Mario, right? This is the last one that they made for consoles. I think so, yeah. So going that back now and playing the latest 2D Mario with conceivably the best ideas the team could come up with six years ago, it's not as impressive as it would have been if I had not played a ton of user-created stages. 
Um, but it is 2D Mario. The controls are on point and absolutely sublime. I chose to play with Mario. You can choose whatever character you want, and they all kind of have little subtle differences. Like uh, Peach, for instance, is like the noob-friendly character because she can float a lot farther, which gives you that 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 uh, margin of error in any, anything you do throughout the game. Like you're seeing right now with like the Tanuki suit. Like having that ability to hover makes everything so much easier. And when you play as Peach, obviously she hovers a lot farther than the other character. It makes the entire game a little bit easier. So you can find a character that will help you, will help kind of take the edge off the difficulty of the game. But I still, if I'm a parent, it would be hard for me to buy this for my kids because I feel like basically what would end up happening is they're going to come to you constantly telling you to help them get through each level. Maybe you like that. Maybe when your kids are playing games, that's your time to do something else. I think uh, you may be underestimating the children. Well, I guess you define children. I'm talking about kids from like four to like seven or yeah, eight. That, yeah, that'd be, that's a different thing. Yeah. I'm not talking about like tweens or whatever. Tweens will kick my butt at this game. <laughs> I, I can pretty much guarantee it. Um, but I think my big sticking point is the price tag. $60 for this game is steep. I don't, it's not seem steep. It is steep. Uh, you have this code laying around for the last six years. You haven't really done much with it before you brought it to market. Uh, to me, the Luigi U stuff doesn't rationalize, and I'm sure that's how Nintendo's rationalized it, but we're giving mm -hmm. you two games in one. Because remember, Luigi U was released as a separate game. Yeah. Although they did bundle it eventually. They did. But I am guessing that if you own Luigi U for Wii U, that game might be worth some money. The solo one? Maybe. Because they put out boxed versions. Almost of all of the sealed stuff from any Nintendo system becomes worth something eventually. But so, I'm guessing yeah. Luigi U is worth a little might. more than the average. Because it just didn't sell very much. They didn't... I don't know if they even made that many of them, to be honest with you. Because a lot of people just got it as DLC for the game that they already mm -hmm. had. So... I've enjoyed this more than I thought I would. Is that enough for me to recommend it as a $60 purchase? No. And unfortunately with Nintendo, you can't really say wait for the price drop because they may never come. It could be years. Yeah. It could, it literally they could, could probably years. get a decent price on it like two or three years from now on the eShop on the e or whatever they call it by then. Because um, I, uh, I got Super Mario uh, 3D World on the Wii U for like 19 bucks uh, on a digital sale. Um, near the end of the Wii U's life, but because uh, Nintendo does do some pretty decent sales once these things get old enough. But the problem is, if you want a physical copy, the the price the price drop is usually not there. And you go on eBay, and they're almost the same price as oh, new. Yeah. So, yeah, it's hard for me to recommend this game if you were really jonesing for a 2D Mario fix and you missed the Wii U and you haven't played one. Maybe you played the last one on your yeah. 3DS or whatever. Maybe I it, could. It probably if you wait a little bit, you'll probably be able to get it for like 40, 45 on the major retail sites. Probably before it goes out of print. Yeah, they're gonna want to. You want to get a clear. You want, they're gonna want to clear this thing out eventually. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I don't think it sold all that well the first time. I'm sure it's in the top 10 of Wii U games sold. In general, because it's a 2D Mario yeah. game, but um, it's probably doing okay right now, just because there's not much else to buy. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I also feel like this is a pretty solid digital purchase. Um, Why? Just because it's kind of an impulse buy, maybe, and like it's you've got you've probably got uh, I'd say a lot of Mario fa Mario fans probably have like you know gift cards from Christmas or something, yeah. and you know they got the eShop points or something or whatever they whatever they are now and. Uh, is it not called the eShop anymore? It is. Change? It's still called the yeah, eShop. Okay. Yeah. But they, um, you know, it seems like a decent, you know, what else are you going to get? I mean, Saturday, well, I'll tell you what else you're going to get. You get that, fan that Fantasy Star uh, release they put out uh, in December. 
Yeah, the Sega Ages stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a great read. It's a remake of because you know, they've they've got a map and they've got all the mo- everything's yeah, all modernized. They updated it. Yeah, um, it's great. It's only twenty bucks. That's what I bought. Yeah, so. and Outrun I think just came out. Yeah, Outrun Switch just this came week out as well. Um, Sega Ages the, the the Sega Ages like digital releases on Switch are actually some of the best the best stuff coming right. Yeah, now. they're actually showing some care towards them. And yeah. Sega has not done that in the past. It's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, they put their stuff on mobile and they're like just these awkward like emulator yeah. ROMs. But the, like, like the Fantasy Star thing. The Fantasy Star is, is a permutation of the version they released on PS2 that was only in Japan. Yeah. They put out, it was a collection of all four, like redone for the PS2 uh, in Japan. It was amazing. And But the, and the great thing was it was also in English. Like it was, so I actually imported it and played those games again because I love the Fantasy Star games. But if they want to port all that stuff over to the Switch, you can go right ahead and do that and I will buy every single one of them. So... Matt, what do you think the right price is for well, the sort of straight ports from Wii U to Switch? I mean, I would like to see them be 40 That's what I think, um, too. Yeah. Both in the sense that they're old games and also in the sense that, like, throw, throw the Switch owners a bone, dude. Yeah. Like they, they, they need one. They're yeah. here for you. You know, uh-huh. they, they, they're made you a success again. They're, you know, these games are not brand new releases, so don't, you know, price them as one, basically. I mean... That's what I say. Forty bucks to me. Forty makes bucks the most is about sense. right. Yeah, I would say uh, for most stuff, especially something like when you're talking about something like Wonderful 101, which didn't sell too well in the first place. Yeah, like just get that in the hands of more people yeah, for that absolutely. price. You know, because yep. it's a great game. Just people didn't want, didn't take the sixty dollars. It's a plunge. weird game. It is very weird. It's one of the weirdest games I've played in the last like ten. years. But for forty bucks, people are probably more willing to take the jump for a, for a weird game. I will yeah. also admit and say that there aren't that many weird games anymore. Compared to how they used to be. Like, yeah. in the PS2 era, like, there were weird games, like, all the time. Well, I think there's weird games in the, kind of the indie space more, you know, I would, I would call... Even they're not that weird, was, though. Yeah, they're pretty weird. Like, Donut I mean, County was weird. Donut County's weird. I would argue that, like, um, I would argue Return, Return of the Obra Dinn is pretty weird. Yeah. I mean, it's I not... Get, the it, art style makes it weird. It's not like, um, you know, it's not Incredible Crisis weird. Right. But it's, yeah. it's not, you know, No One Can Stop Mr. Domino weird. But see, that's what I'm saying. Though. Like, you can go on and on during that era of games mm-hmm. of all the interesting things that were being tried. Like, it's just developers and publishers are playing it so safe now. It's like, you just don't get games like that anymore. Well, also, like, it's, you know, the market has proven that that kind of thing sells a certain amount. And that's, I mean, Suda51 stuff sells what it sells. Swery's stuff sells what it sells, but it's not going to be a multi-million hit. Was Inafune the head of Wonderful 101? Is that right? For some reason, I keep thinking he was involved he, with that. I think he was involved with that, yeah, because that was it, off of the Beautiful Joe kind of... Yeah, synergy. Yeah, because yeah, so. that, yeah, that was before the Mighty Number no. 9. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear soon that that game is going to be... Gonna of all the of all the things that are not on the Switch from the from the Wii U right now, that one stands out the most, I would say. And, it, and like you said, if you release it at a $40 price point, people are more willing to give mm-hmm. it a try because it does look weird, and it is weird. I mean, they need to fill schedule slots this year. Yeah. I would say that's a good one. I think we, sh- we, should, we should see. I mean, I'm not saying we should in the sense that we are going to, but I'm saying they should do this. They should put Wind Waker HD and Skyward Sword HD on Those are no-brainers, on there. too. Yeah. They should put Metroid Trilogy on the Switch. Yep. They should, you know, they should bring all that stuff forward and i know they just data mined super nintendo stuff out of the you know hurry up (laughs) what the hell 
Do you even care about the Nintendo Online stuff, like all the NES like cycle? I mean, you, you give me some decent uh, Super Nintendo stuff, and I'll care. I haven't like, touched. I don't it. care about uh, the since NES the first stuff. day I paid for Nintendo Online and I checked out the games over there. I haven't even looked at them since. I'm just the NES things don't. I mean, I've, I have them so many times over uh, yeah. from the various Nintendo systems. I just I don't need to play Super Mario Three again. Like, yeah, I, I'm paying twenty bucks just to play online, basically. Yeah, and like I, I mean, it's cool that they do like the weird permutations where like you know some of them are like those special editions where you start. Later in the game with certain powers or whatever, yeah. this is like an extra challenge thing or an extra bonus. That's cool. But I mean, like, they're trying to put I, lipstick I, on the pig. Right, right? <laughs> but I'd rather see you do that with like Link to the Past. Yeah, you know what absolutely. I mean? Yep. Super Metroid. Yeah, that's actually, I saw the, that's a, a new version of uh, it's a Super Metroid Link to the Past randomizer game. Where like you, you, it's like an emulator thing where you play it and it's got both Super Metroid and Link to the Past running in it. And it's like you complete sections of each game, and it'll randomly pop another section of one of the games up, like next. And That's you have to kind awesome. of like work your way through, beat Mother Brain and Ganon, and finish the game. And that is get. awesome. And the reason it works apparently is because the uh, the Super Nintendo's memory is divided into 256 partitions, and this guy figured out that uh, Super Metroid and Link to the Past occupy totally different partitions, partitions of the it, it, like, when you when you're running them. They don't overlap right. in the memory, so you can run them both at the same time. <laughs> that's so that's crazy. how that works. That's cool. So you can find that on. Uh, you just do a Google search for for that, and uh, you can find it's pretty cool. We didn't you, tell you to get it. You gotta know. Uh, you gotta know uh, Zelda real well because yeah. it'll start you just. They just throw somewhere, you in. Yeah. and like you got no sword. Like, right, you gotta go find right. your house and get the sword out of the chest. Like, right. It's it's it's, uh, it's for experts basically. Sounds cool. It's neat. But we didn't tell you to go download yeah. it. <laughs> but but you don't have to take my word for it. <laughs> Take the internet. All right, we're going to move on. We're going to talk next about what is undoubtedly the biggest story from the last week. And that is that Bungie and Activision have split ways. And Bungie is going to retain the rights to Destiny. This actually happened mid last week. Yeah. So we had a little bit of time to ruminate on it. Matt, what do you think is going to be the end result of this? With Let's, let's, let's start with Destiny. What do you think is going to happen to Destiny? I think that's the end of Destiny 2 content, and um, we'll see Destiny 3 in two to three years. Okay, so do you think 2021? 2021-ish, yeah. Because now that there's no Activision, Bungie can take as long as it wants. Bungie can do whatever it wants. I mean, I don't know if they'll hook up with somebody else, or if they'll just, like, fund it on their own. I'm sure they'd prefer to fund it on their own. Um, I would not... Like, I feel like Destiny might be... Destiny 3 might not be called Destiny 3. Really? Like I, I think they might call it like Destiny Subtitle. something, and that will just be the platform Interesting. forever. Like they'll just keep updating that forever. Because I feel like they don't necessarily want to keep selling num- numeral you know, uh, Destiny games because... The deal that they, they, you, you they keep... made with Activision was completely unrealistic. Yeah. It was basically, they had to put out four games... In like eight years. Like they had two years to make each game. And as soon as the first Destiny was delayed, it was like dominoes. Yeah. And there was no way they're going to hit the target on all the rest of them. And what a weird style of game to do that with. Yeah, I mean, that's the last genre you would say, hey, let's yeah. put out a game every two years. Especially from the like Activision wanting that. It's like, you guys did, you know, I mean, in, indirectly did World of Warcraft. Yeah. Like... Destiny should be done by that model, yep. not by... 
I mean, in the end, it's kind of good they didn't because Destiny 2 needed an overhaul uh, from what 1 was that didn't quite work out. But again, you could argue that... that but that see, that was forced tur- out. Yeah, it became kind of because it was part of the deal right. and how that worked. And so well, they were looking to put down the road they and they're like, with. wait, we have to get three more of these out in the next, yeah. like, seven years? <laughs> like, how are we going to do that if we don't put this one out right now? And what then I, and then what are we, EA making Star Wars games? Come on. <laughs> And to be honest with you, I think that's probably what happened with Destiny 2. It was better, but you could tell there was still stuff with mm-hmm. it that they probably would have preferred to get right before it was sent to retail. So my guess would be that, that they, will, they will make the Destiny they've wanted to make, and it will be a platform they can build on for as long as they want to keep making Destiny. Like, I don't think you're ever going to see another Destiny. I don't think you're going to see Destiny 4. You know what I mean? They don't have to, though. Even though 4 was part of the deal, originally. Yeah. Um, I think the smart move is just to keep growing this the way... You know, because, look, um, the one thing that Destiny 2 did prove is that people will come back and give your expansions a shot. Although, it did not... Destiny 2 did not sell as well as Destiny 1. It did not, but... um, but the the player base you know pops back up every time they put a major update out yeah so you can get you can get people's attention without releasing a whole new skew that's what I'm saying is like yeah you know and, and you know they did the thing with Forsaken where they did kind of a bundle thing you can buy, you, can right. ju- you know jump in now sort of thing you can do but I think the smart move would be to create you know basically make des- the next Destiny an ongoing platform and then just continue to add content to that. and maybe you know that frees you up also as a company to make another game. You know, like right. that isn't destiny. You know? Do you think that's going to happen though? I don't know. So they got a small investment from Netties, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't huge, but do you think that Bungie wants to have an overlord again? Because it it obviously got fed up with mm-hmm. dealing with Microsoft. It wanted to do its own thing. It shacks up with Activision. That worked for what four or five years before it grew tired of Activision meddling in its projects. Do you think Bungie wants to have that relation, that business relationship again? I don't think anybody does, but uh, it's kind of a necessary evil. Yeah, I don't know who you go to for this, because um, anyone who's power, who's powerful and uh, flush with cash enough to to get you there, is going to put you through the same ringer activity. Absolutely. Did. I mean, if they're giving you the money, they're going to want some control in what's going on. They're going to want to know when releases yeah. are coming out. I mean, the other problem too is that Activision is a publicly traded company, and their stockholders rely on those steady releases. Pactor mm-hmm. mentioned in the brand new episode that we published yesterday that, you know, if you're a, a, a public company, you're beholden to your stockholders and they expect that regular update. And he said that that's why, if you've watched, Take Two stock has tanked because Red Dead came out. And now they're like, well, wait a minute. When is the next big game coming? They have no idea. So a lot of stockholders have bailed on Take-Two over the last, like, 60 days. And I guess they assume that the stock price that Take-Two was at whenever Red Dead Redemption 2 came out already had Red Dead 2 baked into that stock price. Once it came out, everybody just bailed on the stock. And that's what Activision is worried about. And so it was never going to work working with Bungie and Activision. It just wasn't. They're two different companies. Bungie had a lot more leeway at Microsoft to just get the game done whenever they wanted to. I mean, it's not impossible that they end up going back to Microsoft. Do you think? I mean, if you could, you could strike a deal with Microsoft where it's like, give us the money, let us do whatever the hell we want. Remember when we gave you Halo? Like, let us make what we want to make. You know, we can distribute it through Game Pass and just, you know, charge for the expansions or whatever and kind of get it into people's hands that way. Like, you know, subscribe and get Destiny, new Destiny for free. Like, 
you alienate the PlayStation people, so maybe they wouldn't want to do that. But it depends. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, it's going to become about survival for Bungie. I honestly don't think Bungie will ever want to go back to publishing games for just one platform. Oh, no, I don't think they'd want to, but I'm saying Especially they might have to. Especially if they stay independent. Yeah, well, if they, that's the question. Like, if they stay independent, no. But if they can't stay independent, you're basically going to Sony or Microsoft at that point. They had enough cash to buy themselves out of the deal with Activision. True, but where where's more cash coming from? Now? Yeah. So that actually, that I'm glad you brought that up. So what happens with Destiny 1 and Destiny 2? Well, you said you mentioned that you don't think more DLC is coming. I'm not 100% sure about that, but what do you Well, I mean, do? there might be stuff in the pipeline, but I don't think any new expansions Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out. They're not going to just start concepting right. something now and then put it out like a year from now. Like, whatever they're working on now will be probably the last content for Destiny 2. But what do you do with those two platforms once you start work on Destiny 3 in earnest? I mean, I would think they've already got some pre-production down for Destiny 3. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's hard hard for me to say. I mean, do you make them free to play? I I feel like they always wanted it to be, and Activision didn't want to do that. That I mean, I have no evidence of that. I have no yeah. proof of that. But in my head, if I feel like you want to give you want to basically give the razor away and make money on the blades, and it would make more sense. It, you know, it, I, I think that's also true of like you know a whole lot of people. I think were convinced to play this the original Destiny when they played that alpha. Yep. You know, for it, sure. Because because they got their hands on it, it, felt good, and they wanted to play more. Same thing happened with the division. Um, get it in someone's hands, and then make the money later. You know, off you know, and that's and that's a fine, okay business model when it comes to uh, something that you get for free. I think there's you know the friction they get on the microtransactions and stuff comes mainly from the fact that they're already charging sixty bucks or more to play the game at all, um, which is, seems to be an Activision staple. Yeah. I mean. It's so Activision-y to do that. Like, even the Blizzard stuff is like that. You know, like the, like the you still got to pay to get in, or you did for a long time to pay to get into World of Warcraft and then give them more money for the expansions, or you're playing kind and of... And pay a monthly play, fee. Yeah, yeah, and the monthly fee. Um, so I feel like, you know, that would probably be what they'd want to do, uh, ideally. kind of a double-edged sword, though, right? Right, Because right. it's like, okay, it's, sure, you can get all these people into the Destiny ecosystem in hopes that... When Destiny 3 comes out, they all jump on board. Yeah. Or you can look at it like you give them Destiny 2 for free and they pay for cosmetics and they don't want to leave Destiny 2 because they're like, this is plenty good enough for me. Yeah. Well, that's why Destiny 3 has got to be something real special uh, and obviously special. Yeah. Um, and different. It's got to be something different, right? Yeah. The big. I mean, frankly, I, I would want to move on from Destiny if I were If you were Bungie, you would just yeah. trash Destiny altogether. Well, no, I wouldn't because I think you don't want to start over from scratch on something else you have then have to sell as something that people care about. The building that brand, that Build, IP, yeah. that's a right. lot of money, a lot of effort. But as someone, you know, as a, as a player, I would, I, I would be more interested in something new from them. But I'm not, I know I'm not going to get that. Yeah. You know? I've never enjoyed Destiny even half as much as I enjoyed the best Halo games. No. I, th I think that Destiny 2's campaign felt more like Halo. It did. It, it, it felt like it was from the same people who made Halo. Agreed. Uh, in, the, in the way that, like, Titanfall 2's campaign felt like it was from the people who made Modern Warfare. Yeah. It was, you know, it, it, was a good, yeah. it was a good thing. Um, but I still don't find the, the, the universe of Destiny to be particularly compelling. Me either. And I it's think... It's confusing to me. I don't understand... I, I think they need to reinvent things on, a, on a, just a, a fundamental level that everything is not pointing guns and shooting them. Yeah. Um, like, why is why do I have all these ships that I can use when all they are is a loading screen? Yeah. Like, why? Like, 
like running around doing these kind of mundane things in the in the in the hubs is like fine but what's the point like i feel like there's all these sort of like weird like creative or like feature dead ends in the game that sort of like are just sort of oh you're, you're just supposed to like look at them and sort of ignore them and i feel like bungie's never done what they really want to do with this thing and that's what i like i'd like to see them sort of come to, you know realize what, what what's in their heads for this game because i feel like we still haven't gotten that you gotta remember too bungie has a bunch of old ip lying around that it could do stuff with it's got ani and no, I don't think they own that anymore. Oh, really? Does Microsoft own it? No, they sold Oni and um, and Myth to somebody. Did they? They still have Marathon, but they don't have. I think. I think they still have Marathon. Interesting. I thought that they did. No, they they got. Well, then they, they're really SOL. Then they so sold that's all that. They Destiny's definitely all don't. They, have. they de unless Oni reverted back. They definitely sold off Oni and um, and Myth, which is too bad because I would love to see another Myth game. Uh, although then again, I would not want to see another Myth game without Marty O'Donnell's right, music. Right. Right. Well, there are rumors that he's starting to work on Halo stuff again. Yeah. Which is really good news for Halo. It is. But... Yeah, but it's not going to help Bungie. There's yeah. no way he's going back to Bungie. Not after that. <laughs> and no. no way. And I don't blame him one bit. I mean, we might be looking at the beginning of the end for Bungie here. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. Like, you know, it would take like four to five years. But like, I wonder if they're ever going to find their feet on this who do, you, who do you think initiated this do you think it was activision or bungie i think it was bungie do you um yeah i mean i th i don't think activision was happy with any of this i feel like activision was probably like you know this is not performing up to the t up to what we were expecting it to be when we hired the guys who invented halo to make us games also you're like two games behind yeah like here and you know i, f I feel like the the it was probably initiated by activision in terms of like hey this isn't this isn't working. Like you're not, you know, this contract is not being properly fulfilled. But I suspect it was Bungie who said, like, all right, well then, let us go. We'll we'll buy ourselves out. Like, that sounds like a very Bungie thing to do. Like, um, I'm surprised yeah, Activision would. Financially, it's hard for me to get to the place where Bungie would say, yeah, we're tired of this warm bosom that Activision gives us to nestle up to. Bungie's corporate DNA is very rebellious and very. Uh, I mean, not that like a whole lot of the original guys are still there, yeah. but like. I guarantee you they chafe at every note Activision gives them and like I'm sure. and I could see them, you know, thinking that because of the strength of what they do and how they do it, the 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 brass at Bungie could think like we don't need you. And if we ever do get in trouble, almost any other publisher in the in the in the world will snap us up and save us. Um I'm not so sure about that though. I don't know, like I mean, Activision's management style is so kind of widely like snorted at by even like other major publishers like like there's sort of that you know I, th I think that's one of the like we said last week I think about Fallen Jedi it's like talking about the Star Wars license it's like you know why would you go to EA well because there's only like three publishers who have the the size and clout to make what you want scope wise in these Star Wars games and it's basically Ubisoft wasn't quite there at the time they are now, but they weren't really quite, you know, you saw it happen. You saw it warming up in 2012, but they weren't the juggernaut quite that they have become now in terms of just constant output of that level of, you know, if production production value, if not quality, depending on how you feel about Ubisoft's games. Um, but Activision is definitely on that level, but I think it's just sort of universal that you look at Activision and you're like, God, I don't want to deal with that. Like, and, and Activision's become such a small... They're not a small publisher because of the volume they deal in, but they don't put a lot out. 
Yeah. You know, they put out COD and they put out Blizzard a stuff. A lot of remakes. And they <laughs> put out Crash remakes. Right. Like, yeah. that's it. Spyro, you know? yeah. And um, so, like, I can... I, I mean, can... Activision's publishing Sekiro. Yeah. Which is very weird odd. for Activision. Yeah. It's very, very weird. Like, there's sort of that feeling of, like, you sort of assumed that was going to be, like, Atlas. Right, or yeah. yeah. Or some Japanese publisher. Yeah. Definitely not Activision. But, like... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel, I feel like Activision was kind of like, this is, we're still having trouble with this, and Bungie maybe, you know, I feel like Bungie's probably the one that proposed the nuclear option. I mean, ultimately, Bungie did not live up to a contract it yeah. signed. And there were other ways to get out. I mean, you could, like, you know, shut the whole thing down, or Activision could be like, you know, we are going to take, we are going to assume direct control, uh, if I may be allowed a Mass Effect reference. Yeah. Um, and Bungie, I'm sure, wouldn't want that. Um, I don't, I'd be very interested to find out how this solution ended up being the one Activision agreed to. Yeah. Um, unless they just absolutely did not want to deal with this destiny. It's probably anymore. just lesser of several evils. Probably. It's um, like, wait a minute, you're willing to buy yourself out of the contract, and we don't have to take you to court and spend yeah. four million dollars on lawyers' fees and drag this through the press again. I mean, there's because re- look, Activision already went through this with Vince yeah. Zampella. Yeah. And the whole modern warfare thing. There's a real interesting Jason Schreier book in here. Yeah. <laughs> Someday. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll probably end up uncovering all the details behind this. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not convinced that it was Bungie that bailed, though. Um, I think it may have just been, like, I feel like it was... a come-to-Jesus moment where they both got together and they're like, okay, let, let's talk frankly about what's going on here. I do You're th- not satisfying your end of the contract. We love you guys, but this isn't working for us financially. What can we do? I, that doesn't sound like Activision to me. It sounds like Activision would be like, would be demanding what you know, you know, explain yourselves or solve this. And but they've been working with them for six years. They don't really have to explain themselves. They at this point, Activision knows what's going on. It knows why it's yeah, taking but, forever for the game. But to I come know out. people who have worked for Activision for longer than that who who can tell you tales of like. That's how Activision... Activision is, 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 behaves like a monolith. Activision, it is a cold-blooded corp, yes. Ameri- corporate America. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It is, it is, you know, Kodak, Kodak didn't get where he, where he is by having a touchy-feely management style. No, like those, definitely not. If the brass of Activision comes down on you, you are basically... You know, the eye of Sauron is quite literally on you. Um, so I, I, I wonder whose idea it was to buy them, for them to buy themselves out, but it feels like... That is a move that would that empowers Bungie, and that's and thus it doesn't sound like something Activision would propose. It doesn't even sound like something Activision would agree to. But I I, I think you know the internal politics of it may have just been more ex, more expedient. And also maybe you had like you say maybe there was a thing where it's like okay, I mean we could you could try to assume direct control of the projects, but we're going to legally go after you for that. You know, you know, yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think you may be right that like the Call of Duty lawsuit sort of made Activision a little gun shy about playing hardball with another and I think second they just party got together developer. and they said, "Hey, how can both of us get out of this?" Yeah, hey, let's not create that yeah. again because that because that's years it and is. years. And of Activision it. lost. Yeah, and ended up having to pay those guys yeah. like hundreds of millions of dollars. And so. if you're in the situation where like Bungie has to do that and has to pay legal fees for that, they definitely would have to jump to another publisher just yeah. to stay just, afloat. Yeah, just to afford just, just to, to use afford their it. legal team yeah. basically. So yeah. Um, so this is definitely the best outcome if you're Bungie. I yeah, would definitely. Say. Yeah. I it mean, I may, think it's the best it, outcome it for Activision still, too. Yeah, it may still go sideways on them if, if act, the next look, thing is Bungie bought do it themselves for them. out of the contract, so Activision was able to save face. 
they did put out two pretty good games together. It's not like neither one neither one of them was a disaster or unplayable or completely unfun. Mm. Um, it didn't hit the critical mass I think both sides had hoped for, but yeah. I do think it's weird that so many people seem to think that like the microtransactions in Destiny are entirely Activision's idea. Right. Yeah. Because that's just it's not... an easy it's easy to say that. Everybody, most hardcore gamers hate Activision. I mean, let's yeah. just be honest. <laughs> but, like, the nature of the game is that's how you keep it going. Yeah. Like, that's the whole point. Absolutely. Like, yeah. that, that's how it works. I mean, I'm, they might have been implemented less dumb, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> they'd still be there if Activision wasn't publishing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I think ultimately the situation's worked out the be- as well as it could for both sides. Still a shock to hear this because I think mainly because we knew they were still under contract for two yeah. more games. It's also like kind of a weird thing where like, I mean, these games haven't you know set the world on fire, but they've done pretty well. Yeah, they've I mean, most t- publishers they've made hundreds and hundreds of millions kill of dollars for this game, and it's just interesting. Kill to, for this it's kind interesting of to see like you you know Activision's in that. That it just realm shows the hierarchy. Like, yeah. like, if you don't make a billion dollars a year for us, we don't really want you in our portfolio. Pretty much. I mean, that's really what it comes at, which doesn't explain how they get away with like, doing a Crash Team Racing remake or a Spyro remake or Except whatever. Except that Crash thing sold like Actually, crazy. Actually, it did sell so... like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I don't think it made a billion dollars. No, but I think it made vastly more money than they than thought they a, repack, you know, a, re, yeah. a remaster of, of Crash games was going to It definitely do. made more than I thought it was going to make. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll I, I didn't realize how many people... Either had never played Crash. Oh, I think a lot. I think most of those sales were people who played who were, you know, were eight years old and didn't know any better when they played it. Because um, those games suck. I know, dude. Um, I know. <laughs> but I was suck. like 20 when they came out. And, you know, that's just how it was. Yeah. Um, it's like they say, the golden age of science fiction is when you were 12. Right. It wasn't when... <laughs> it's not a specific it's time. It's not when the movies it's, were coming out. It's a specific out. age it's you, you were. when you were 12. Yeah, and you were a total sucker for sci-fi. Absolutely. It's like when people ask, it's like, well, why do you love Star Wars so much? I'm like, because I saw it when I was five and yeah. laser swords and space wizards are awesome. Yeah. Like, it's like... I mean, I, I could come up with a bunch of intellectual shit that keeps me interested as, as an adult in it. Right. But, like, if you really want to get down to it, laser swords and spaceships. I mean, like, it's really, it's indoctrinization. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just what it is. When you're young, you're very gullible. You absorb everything. You're very yeah. impressionable. I, d- I don't remember a time I couldn't hum that John Williams theme. Absolutely. So you yep. got me. Yeah, it's just <laughs> you like your, it's it's the reason your parents can mold the person that you become because when you're young you're malleable right. and you're just soaking everything it's, in and some of us had Star Wars and some of us had Crash Bandicoot and I apologize for that <laughs> but 20 years later you can sell a really lucrative collection of those games again to the same people so. okay so before we move on what do you think is the end game here you think Bungie gets picked up by another publisher or you think they stay indie I think they're going to try to stay indie I, I, I don't know how long that will fly i mean but i to, if i'm them and i just did this like to me the whole point would be independence yeah um so i think at the very least they are going to attempt to make another destiny game all on their own and self-publish i'd agree with that i think again i don't think that they buy themselves out of this contract if they just wanted to go shack up with another publisher right so i agree a thousand percent i think it's going to be because at that point you could you basically bring in the new publisher to help buy you out of the old contract. I think Bungie will take investment from yes. some from someone. Oh yeah, absolutely. But the con- the way it'll be written up is whoever invests gets X amount of the profits of the game. They yeah. don't own the IP, they don't take yeah. over the IP. You're, they are profit sharing and maybe you get some like placement at the beginning when they start the game up you get your logo there. They something. have no creative input on the game. 
basically they're saying, look, if you give us money, you're trusting us to make a great game because mm-hmm. you're going to be incentivized to let us do our thing because you're making all your money based yeah, upon how it sells. So maybe maybe you can maybe you can have the the you know the the Iron Banner tournament brought to you by Gillette or right something. or whatever <laughs> yeah like something like that I think will work. Um, so I I think Bungie absolutely puts out Destiny three. I think what we were talking about earlier about how it's it's kind of mind boggling to think about how Activision wouldn't be okay with the money it was making from Destiny. I think Bungie is absolutely right. fine with making that money. It's like wait a minute like you don't want that money. We'll take it. That's more than enough for us to flourish yeah. and start cracking out separate studios so we can do what you were saying, which is have more than one project going on right. at once. That would be like the ideal outcome, I would think. Absolutely. Because I would love to see new Bungie stuff more often. What if Microsoft commissioned Bungie to make a Halo? They could do worse. They could. They can do that. Yeah. They can do if that. If Halo Infinite comes out and does not perform the way they want it to... They that... could put their studio on something, new IP, and they could absolutely... Pay Bungie to make another Halo. Absolutely. That's kind of exciting to me. Yeah. It'd be neat. And I wonder, though, does it matter anymore? Because it's like you talk about Rare, mm-hmm. and you know, Rare Nintendo sells Rare, and then all their talent leaves and goes scattered across, and then they're never the same anymore. Maybe. Bungie, I mean, kind of the same deal. Bungie's sort of the same deal, but like I want, you know, we'll see what the developments are, but if, if Bungie does manage to remain independent and, deci- and is able to start making this game the way they've always wanted to make it, which I feel like they have been prevented from doing in various ways yeah. by Activision, yeah. you could definitely, you could attract some of that talent back. Like, you know, if you're, if you're like, you know, hey, we're getting the band back together, getting the band back together and we fire the manager. Like, right. That's, that could be an appealing thing. You know, true. you don't have also, remember, you don't have a, a huge opportunity very often in the modern industry to work at a company as, you know, high profile and as, you know, triple A budget level as Bungie that does not have some kind of crazy corporate overlord situation. True. Like you don't get to do that much. So like never. Be, yeah. <laughs> like not, never. You know, not since most of the last companies that could do something like that were bought by EA years ago. Yep, it's true. So it could also just be, hey, here's a unique opportunity to work on a high-profile major title without Activision, EA, or Ubisoft breathing down your neck for it. Yep. Because there's not really many companies that can do that. You know, the, the, those mid mid to high tier independent developers just you know are getting bought by Microsoft now. Yeah. Um. Look out, Gearbox. Yeah. <laughs> One of the last ones we'll left. We'll talk about Gearbox in a little yeah. bit. We'll, we'll get to them. <laughs> but uh, but they're the, one of the only other companies that popped in my head that like are kind of on that same same playing field as Bungie is right now. Yep. I think bottom line, this is better for Bungie on every level. It's going to be better for Destiny. It's going to be better for the studio. I think it's always better for you if you're not working for Activision, frankly. Yeah, I guess so. I don't hate Activision like a lot of people do. I don't but hate it. Probably because I know a lot of people that work there, and they're all really good people. <laughs> like, yeah, but even the people I know who who work make games under Activision don't like doing it for yeah. Activision. You know, it's a, they're they're a ruthless company. Uh, you know, there's, yeah. there's sort of a, a, a an, an understood thing in the industry that like if you have, if your title is a certain thing at Activision, you can do the job of the next title up at any other company because yeah. Activision. Doesn't want to pay. Activision people, doesn't want to pay you what you're promote. worth. Yeah, so yeah. they just give you the responsibilities of the next highest position, but keep you at that pay level. So like most other companies have a kind of an acknowledged thing. Like if you're like an associate, you're a VP at Activision. If you're an associate producer at Activision, or like you're an associate producer at Activision, you could be a straight up producer or a, or a you know a, a division producer somewhere else. Like because you probably had to do that. Yeah. Without being paid for it. Yep. So yeah, I, I you know I like some of what Activision puts up, and I've I've never had to deal with them in a negative way. 
but everyone I know who's ever worked for them wasn't tremendously ha- unhappy to see the back of them. There also aren't a lot of lifers there. No. Active Studio o- heads have stuck around a long time. High but- level, yeah. Like, high level, I'm sure it's fine, because yeah. it's not probably not all that different from any other major corporate executive yeah. job. But everyone I knew who knew who's in creative, like, I'm here to get my title up to this, so then I can bump it up to this when I go to another company. Like, that's yeah. what they, that's what they're, most of them were doing, especially in the days where, like, Activision was pumping out all the licensed stuff. Yeah. Um, that's probably not as prevalent now, because Activision's basically shrunk so much to the point that they, you know, they do this thing and they do, th- they do like three things basically yeah. and that's it. But they all do gigantic. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the COD machine is not any kind of small endeavor. It's no, no. It's tons of developers yeah, I mean, and hundreds and hundreds of people. And, like, yeah. working on that one IP. But it's all in the name of one thing. Yeah. So. One brand. Absolutely. It's, uh, and yeah, it's, and when you compare it to how, what they, you know, they used to put out, you know, they let High Moon put out these crazy transformer, ambitious transformers yeah. games and they, Made all those weird Marvel games back in. You yeah. know, some of them were terrible, but some of them were pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, like it, the, the you know the, some of the genesis of uh, Into the Spider Verse you can see in Shattered Dimensions and Edge of Time. It's true, it's absolutely. Some true. of the same Spider Men even. Yep. Um, so yeah, so there was there was some experimentation. There was some really creative people doing some really interesting stuff, but there was always that feeling of like, well, we're working for. The you know, man. We're working for this <laughs> giant man. faceless behemoth yeah. kind of thing. I, I and I'm sure Bungie who's entire corporate DNA, you know, their entire corporate culture is based on sort of being renegades. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they chafed on against that constantly. So. Yeah, they're the uh, wearing Birkenstocks to work crew. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they started as just a bunch of scrappy liberal, liberal arts kids in Chicago yeah. who decided to make a Doom clone I remember the and first accidentally time... made one of the best games of the 90s. Yeah, I remember when I first went to their studio in Seattle, I was blown away that it wasn't nice. Yeah, it was oh, yeah. just kind of this dingy office in an office park that no signage, no frills. It was just like this is Bungie. No, this is where you made like all these Halo yeah, games. I mean, they were doing stuff out of dorm yeah. rooms and stuff. Yeah, back exactly. In the day. Yeah, and uh, they had that startup spirit yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, I remember booting up the the demo of of Marathon Two, which I'd spent all night downloading all fifty megs of it, <laughs> and that Marty O'Donnell's like marathon theme pops up i'm like what the hell is like it it was like it didn't sound like anything else out there it was like this weird sort of like techno sort of hard sci-fi yeah it's marathon (laughs) yeah i I remember it it's like whoa that's cool like (laughs) and there wasn't anything else like that yeah you know i mean there wasn't really anything like halo when it came out i mean it was a first person shooter but just the aesthetics of it, the the way they handled kind of its sci-fi angle was very well, unique. See, well, well, there was it wasn't unique because it was marathon, right? Like, like it was you know the Halo Halo originally was basically a marathon. It was spin-off. yeah, like an RTS. And uh, they do more or less fit in the same universe, even if you, you even if like they wouldn't really ever commit to that. Yeah. Um, but the freaking marathon symbol showed up often enough. It did. Yeah. But uh, Bun- you know, Bungie today is a, is a different beast, but. Uh, like, I always appreciated they came from this scrappy place and everybody Me made too. fun of the whole, like, thing. oh, Microsoft putting Halo on the Xbox. Like, oh, because that was the other thing was, like, because they were Mac-only developers. That's right. the thing is, like, a lot of people have never played their early games because they're only on Mac. Yeah, yeah. And um, they're really good. I had, I had a Mac back when, back when I was in college and played all those things. And they're, you know, Myth. And Myth is a great, great game. They actually did do Windows versions of that eventually. But when they got bought by Microsoft, the Mac gaming community, well, yeah. what, what there was, it was like betrayal. Well, there, you know, I like, mean, back then, too, the Apple versus oh, yeah. PC thing was like huge. I mean, there used to be TV commercials about it, like right. Mac versus PC. Which was always, even as someone who's used Apple stuff since like 86, it was, it was, ne- that it was, was not, that was not a war. Yeah, like yeah. there was, 
I, I have an entire box in the garage of um, Mac versions of games from like 94 to like 2002 or so yeah. when I got my gaming PC and never looked back. Yeah. But man, I have so many like weird Mac versions of things. I was I, I, Part of me wonders like, do like archivists need this? Or so? Do you need the Mac version of Baldur's no. Gate no, for something? No archivists needed for anything Apple related. I don't know. You want to, I think you want to preserve <laughs> People everything. People are crazy. I think you want to preserve No, you want to preserve it. But everything. I'm telling you, there are thousands of people who have already done it i'm sure but yeah. like i have the physical copies they disappear pretty quick i bet they have them but someone anyway. out there somebody needs a mac <laughs> a mac os 7 i don't even remember what they system 7 they call yeah, it system yeah, yeah. 7 it wasn't even os system 7 version of aliens versus predator 2 <laughs> i'm your mac. got you covered i got you so my guess is we hear more at e3 i think we'll figure mm. we'll find out what's going on with destiny 3 we'll find out maybe we'll hear about some investment we get a bungee then. direct yeah i think We'll hear about maybe investment before then, uh, but I think we'll hear what's going to happen with Bungie's actual IP brands and projects around E3. That's my guess. I'm, I'm, I'm curious what IP they still have. Destiny. Destiny and maybe Marathon. I don't know if Marathon became uh, Microsoft. Maybe. No, they don't have Myth. They they sold Myth off before they even got they got purchased by Microsoft. Uh, okay. Oni and Myth, they sold off before Microsoft. Who would have bought Oni? I can't remember who bought Oni. <laughs> it's like... But Oni, whoever put it out on PS2, because Bungie wasn't involved in that. Right, yeah. Um, Myth, they sold off uh, before, maybe even before that, because the third Myth was not by them. Well, they probably figured we need to sell this off now, because otherwise, Microsoft's going to sell it and make all the money from it. Maybe. I mean, yeah. I, th I don't... The Myth sale was kind of weird, if I recall. Like, it was... It was before, I think, this being sold to Michael. I, I wonder if the myth sale was because they needed cash. I don't know. Yeah. Because um, then, I, th I can't remember who they sold that to. Maybe Take-Two? Um, I think Take-Two owns Myth. I don't know if they own Oni as well. Interesting. So there you go. It's a bad breakup. Yeah. But not and really that, that bad. And let's not forget that their version, when they made Myth 2 for uh, Windows, there was an error in it that caused it to uninstall your computer. Like, I did not know that. It was, it was one of the earliest... How do you uninstall one of the your early, computer? I don't remember the details, but it was one of the earliest Penny Arcades. Does it like wipe Windows it, or something? Yeah, pretty much. Instead, <laughs> instead of uninstalling Myth 2, it just uninstalls... I think it just uninstalled like the Windows Like directory. the operating system. It just took every, it deleted everything. Oh, my gosh. Uh, there's one of the earliest Penny Arcade comics. Like, maybe like the second or third one has them running out of the house, and the house explodes, and Tycho says, I told you not to uninstall Myth 2. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, which is a that just made me laugh more than any Petty Arcade has <laughs> from the last, like, since Sift had launched. They're really on a bad run. Yeah, they used to be, they used to be amazing. Though. They, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I... The one, uh, the one... Even during the GT days, their comics were great. What was the one where they did uh, State, of, State of Emergency, the original State of Emergency one, and, like... I don't think I remember G that one. Gabe bought, Gabe bought it and, like, just playing it and... And Tycho's like, this is ridiculous. This is stupid. And then like, uh, like eight hours later, it's like, like Gabe's like, like, it's like, I don't know why I'm still playing this. Maybe I could just tape the button down. And then it cuts to him trying to return it at the GameStop. And the guy, the clerk's like, you just bought this yesterday. And he says, I'll buy you yesterday. It doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> and to this day, Sessler and I quote that one. I'll buy you if, yesterday. Some, anything, whatever anything's happens, like da 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 da. I'll buy you yesterday, and I'm like that doesn't even make any sense. Like that's a, that, everything, Running anything joke. imaginable. That, that's so we still reference that one. Yeah, that was old tech TV days. I, I will say I am happy about this news. Yeah, I think it's great. 
I, I, it's good for Bungie. I'm happy it's good to for see Destiny. Bungie freed from their shackles, and uh, I, I'm very curious to see what Destiny becomes when they're freed of sort of the corporate overlord thing. And I hope they they get the funding to give themselves the time they need to make it what they think that needs to be. I hope the ship thing finally becomes what it's supposed. I've always felt the the, the ship thing was like this weird dangling we thing that like they wanted to do something with, but it never happened. <laughs> yeah. Like. Like the idea of like some kind of like no man's sky is sort of flying back. What is and forth weird thing. to be a space sci-fi franchise where you no don't space. actually fly the spaceship. Like at the like. very least, it feels like they intended that to be some kind of like gummy ship thing right. at some point, yeah. like where you have to like do a little like shooter sequence to get to from planet where to you're planet. Going. Yeah. Um, but just they would never have the time to do something that frivolous or unnecessary. Yeah. But like I'd like Maybe to they see do it. Now. Look, I'm a big spaceship shooting fan, so I'd, I'd be into that. It'd be interesting too to see how much Bungie can talk about their time with Activision. Yeah. Because a lot of times when you yeah. dissolve these contracts, there's a lot of non-disclosure agreements signed, and they may not be able to say, like, well, we wanted to have space combat, but we couldn't get it done, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. We well, the best know. way to say that is just to do it yeah. in the next sure. one. And be like, well, like, I'm basically going to assume any new expanded features in the next Destiny are just things, things they always they wanted, wanted to do, and Activision never gave them the time or the resources. Well, I mean, I'm sure they gave them the resources to do what they need to do, but, like... Time is a resource. Time is definitely a resource. <laughs> a big one. Maybe the biggest of them all, as I get older, I believe, anyway. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Epic Game Store. We talked about it before we left for the holidays. It was this, and for those of you who don't know what's going on with Epic Game Store, essentially it is completely undercut Steam. So Steam takes 30% of a cut from every game sold, and Epic Game Store says, you know what, we're just going to take 12. And... It just launched, I guess, about a month ago now. It's been open. By open, meaning the website's yeah. been up. <laughs> and they started out, they had some exclusive games that you could only buy there. Hades, mm. like the day it came out, it was only uh, available Ashen, there. Ashen, I think. Ashen. And this is PC only. Uh, but the biggest of them all was announced this past week when it was announced that The Division 2 from Ubisoft mm. will only be purchasable at mm. Epic's game store doubly interesting because i mean ubisoft has been a little sketchy about steam for a while now like there was that period where they didn't put some of their stuff yeah that's right immediately yeah, on steam they, wanted, they wanted you to buy it through their club ubisoft yep. app or whatever you know the, the you know which i never did but like or like they'd let you like they let steam see the installed game through the ubisoft app right. but you still had to do it through the ubisoft app yep. or whatever or whatever and so it's interesting that they are now going to a different store instead of continuing to push their own, probably because nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to deal with Ubisoft store, yeah. No, I've got enough stupid platforms on my PC already. I mean, I'm, it's bad enough i got to have Origin on there to play SWOTOR. I mean, that's kind of the question is, what is the saturation point for these services? Like, when do you reach a point where you say... I don't want to download another freaking app. I don't want to have my credit card information on another website where the security may mm. or may not be good enough to keep people from getting my information. Where where do we reach the point where we're just like enough is enough? Maybe that's where Ubisoft is. Maybe it, it got to a point where it's like, you know what? I'm sick of all these services and we're guilty of it because we have our own service. Maybe we need to saddle up with somebody and make it work that way. Mm -hmm. And apparently that's what it's done with Epic. If you want the PC version of The Division 2, which is coming pretty soon, you're only going to be able to buy it on Epic Game Store. Do you think this is a smart move on Ubisoft's part? Mm. 
Maybe. So Pactor made know. a great point in yesterday's episode when he said that, and I had totally missed this. Admittedly, I never connected these dots when we talked about Epic's Game Store's discount before. But his point was, Steam has value beyond what other services have. Because if you because it has 150 million customers, or whatever the number is at this point, but it also has the data on all of those people. So if you're mm. Ubisoft, you can go to Valve and you can say, look, we want to market this to, obviously, anybody who played the first division, and we want to market it to anybody who has played all these other games as a service. Anyone who plays Anthem. We mm. want those people to come on board, or we want to market to those people on your service. Is so, Anthem going to be on Epic? I'm just using it as an yeah. example. But So any game as a service. They want... They, they can use Valve's customer base to push it to the right people to get people to buy the game. Now, I'm guessing Epic's Game Store at this point probably has a few million accounts, something like that. So it's, a, it's an equation. It's a math problem you have to work out. You have to say, okay, how much are we losing with this 30% cut? Uh, first, well, really, the first question you have to ask is, how many copies of PC are we selling? The mm. second is, how much is that costing us with a 30% cut? And the third question you have to ask is, okay, how many sales are we going to lose by only selling it on Epic's Game Store? Mm. So you're assuming that people are going to find your game on their own. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd have to imagine they're still selling it on their own thing, too. Um, for, I don't know what kind of numbers they I get. I thought on... Ubisoft's thing folded. I thought they... No, it's, it's still there. I know Uplay is still there. Yeah, that's but what it is. But is Ubisoft's store still there? That is their store. The Club UB Uplay store thing, yeah. I don't know. They might have changed the name, but you can. it's still there. It's still on my damn computer. I have to look at it to launch some of the... to get the DLC to work for some of the Assassin's Creed stuff, even the ones I have on Steam. But, um... No, there's still a store there. I'm sure they'll sell it through that if you want. I mean, I guess. I'm, but what uh, good does that do Epic? Nothing. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to let them sell it still on their you store, you have no leverage then. You're not going to get people to come to your store. What store? Epic? Yeah. Well, that's Epic's problem. If you can problem. buy it somewhere else. That's Epic's problem. Right, but that's what I'm saying. I don't think Epic would be dumb enough to sign a contract I'm, letting them still sell it on their website. Well, I'm website. pretty sure you can buy the Division 2 on Ubi's, Ubi's own Maybe thing. somebody watching can check. Uh, I, I thought the deal was exclusivity. I thought it was exclusive to Epic Game Store. I think it is exclusive if you don't want to buy it through Uplay. Huh. But I think that's the only other I would, place if you I, can If that's it. the case, I would not have signed that deal if I was Epic. No way. Yeah, I would yeah, want exclusive. Vincent says you can still buy it through Uplay. Wow. That's really dumb of Epic to allow that to happen. I don't think you can tell Ubisoft don't sell your own game through your own store. Well, what good is it doing Epic, though? It's not Steam. It's not on Steam. Right. But if everyone's just going to buy it for, direct from Ubisoft... I don't think they will. You think more people will buy it from Epic's Game Store that just launched a month ago? Then, I don't know. Because what I was talking about earlier with Steam, whereas you have that data... Ubisoft has that data. A lot of people. Anybody who bought Division right. One through them, they can market. A lot of people hate you. play. I don't know. It's you know. a DRM thing mostly, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, also just like some people don't like the clutter of having multiple companies' apps all over their computer. I guess that's what I was talking about earlier. Um, like, what, what's the breaking point where you're like, I can't download another one of these freaking things? Well, I mean, I probably hit that breaking point a while ago. I haven't added one. You know, I haven't done bought anything off the Epic Store yet. Yeah. Me um, I mean, I'll probably get there eventually, but it hasn't been anything that really tempted me yet. I wish I could get rid of Origin and UPlay, but they're kind of necessary. Necessary evils. Yeah. So, so back to the question: 
How do you think this affects the sales of The Division 2? Uh, you think it does nothing? Not much. I mean... You don't think it'll hurt them not being on Steam? Maybe. I mean, I, the PC is kind of a bonus round, frankly, to most of the people, especially Ubisoft. Like, you know, you're talking about three to four times as many sales on consoles. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, like, even look at, like, Call of Duty. It'll sell, like, 100,000 copies on PC. I mean, this this thing is basically, like... I mean, to me, this almost this, this is basically, a, a like, a test balloon, basically. Oh, it's a litmus they're, they're test for saying, everybody. They're basically saying, like, hey, let's see what happens if we do this. Because we know we're going to sell a ton of this on console. You know, we're, we're going to sell a ton of it on PC through our UB, UB store. And instead of putting it also on Steam, which what they usually would do is you'd also be able to buy it on Steam as well as Ubisoft's thing. And then you just connect it up through a code or whatever through the Uplay thing. Instead, they're going to say, well, well, if you don't want to buy it directly from us, you can buy it through this store instead of Steam. And they're going to see how many people bite on that, I guess, is the plan. It's a big risk. To me, if I were Ubisoft, I, think I don't test this with The Division 2. I test it with, like, Gone Home 3 or something. Like, it's very risky to use a big-budget game as a litmus test. I don't know. I think, I, think, I think you don't get the same kind of data unless you use a big-budget game. I think that's what Ubisoft's doing here is they want to know the data. And the only way to find out is to do that. And since the division was such a big console hit, like I feel like they're not going to take a huge, they're not going to take a huge bath on this thing if the PC version underperforms by fifty thousand copies or something, because it's just not, it's not that big a part of their profit equation for this game. Frankly, no, no PC version of anything is if you're doing multi-platform stuff. Yeah. So I can see them just saying like, we are more interested in knowing. Like the outcome, the outcome the of this this idea, than selling an extra thirty to fifty thousand copies because we're on Steam instead. You know, I I I can see them wanting firsthand data on that. One thing I will say about Ubisoft is, in general, it is very brave. It, True. It tends to try stuff first, jump into stuff first. Yeah, that's the other thing. It is... let it let some random company in Japan stream Assassin's Creed Odyssey to Switch. Right. Like, they. It, I mean, they they also like. You know they are bold about that, and they you know they also have the volume to absorb. You know, should this go completely pear shaped somehow, yeah, and the, and just they sell nothing on PC because nobody wants it. And I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't either. But worst case scenario, they're like, well, half a percentage point. It's like we're, we're okay. We'll just get you know the next one will sell better. You I know? mean, honestly, I think that it's just going to sell nothing on Epic Game Store if it's still available on UPlay. I just think it's going to sell nothing on Epic. I don't see why you'd think that. So Google, it's... if you Google, buy PC version of The Division 2. Ubisoft's link is going to come up first. Mm-hmm. Unless Epic pays a ton of money to Google for favor in search results. I don't. I just don't think it matters that much. Like, and people are, you know, people like the Epic Game Store. People want to support it. They might, they'll buy it there or whatever. They, you know, I don't really know firsthand how the Epic Store integrates itself or whatever. Um you know, maybe the Epic Store will have a better deal at some point. You don't know. Like, it's because uh, I also don't boot up the Uplay app very often. You know, like, I never have. I look at the, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I open it when the game makes me open it, basically. Yeah. Um, if I'm, you know, but if I'm looking for a game to buy, I'm looking at Steam or I'm looking at GOG or I'm looking at uh, Humble Bundle. And now I guess I got to start looking at Epic. But if people are already on board of the Epic Store seeing that, and that's where they see Division 2, and then that's what they buy it. You know? Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's the, uh, it's sort of a permutation of the, the iTunes store theory where it's like, well, how do you stop music piracy? You make it like so easy to buy it 
legally that no one it's wants to go to the trouble yeah, of going to trouble. find yeah. a pirated version. And in this case, the pirated version is having to open that stupid Uplay app. Right. <laughs> so, like, um, so yeah, I, I just I th- I think it's just like a Ubi's going to see, you know, see if this dog will hunt, and that'll be, you know, th- then they'll move from there. Because it seems to me like Ubisoft is not a giant fan of Steam. Because yeah. they've been so sketchy. They've been trying really hard yeah. to avoid it. The interesting part, too, will be if the data becomes available to everyone. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of publishers would love to get the data on how this game does on Epic. And if it does well, Epic wants that information out there. Yeah. If it doesn't do well, it doesn't want that information out there. And no matter what, Ubisoft doesn't want that information out there. Mm. Because it's the one who paid the price to get it. Right, well, if you want to pay them the difference, maybe right. you could see the numbers. <laughs> and now it's like the Division Two sold way more copies, isn't it? It's an interesting situation, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like everything's kind of uh, fluid right now in the industry. Everyone's kind of testing things out. Like, Pactor has talked about, you know, a lot of big franchises going free-to-play. Like, I would not be surprised if we see a big franchise going free-to-play. He had mentioned uh, Call of Duty Blackout maybe going free-to-play. He got a lot of pushback on that from people on YouTube. But then today, there's this like big, gigantic mm. free trial going up for Blackout. This yep. starts this weekend. So you're starting to see those baby steps towards that end a little bit. Um, I think it's exciting. to We're, we're kind of at this, this zenith. We're, we're, we're at the top of what of console gaming, traditional console gaming, what we know it as. And I feel like things are about to change, but really nobody has any idea how it's going to, which direction it's going to go and how it's going to mm-hmm. spread out. And I admire companies like Ubisoft that are kind of pushing the agenda and saying, well, we want to find out where it's going. And we're willing to take the financial risk to do that. So it'll be interesting to see how that data, if it ever gets out, if it, how it is disseminated, if it does, who, which, who puts it out? Does Epic put the information out? Or does Ubisoft I, put the information I think Epic out? would. because I mean, Ubi, Ubi putting it out doesn't do anybody any favors for themselves. Yeah. But if it's good news, I would imagine Epic... I mean, it's Epic's store. It's their yeah. data. Like, they yeah. also... You know, they can say, hey, it sold this many. Uh, yeah, I wonder if there are, there are contracts signed. Well, we'll see. But, yeah. like, you know, uh, Epic, Epic signing a thing that says we can't talk about how well we're doing when we do well also seems... And it's... Ubisoft's doing them a huge favor, though. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is. A AAA game, exclusive you, on your service? But you just said you don't think it'll sell anything because it's also on Ubisoft's store. Right. Yeah, I don't. Maybe that's the trade-off. We get that the... could be. We get, the data. we get to release the data because mm-hmm. we're not going to make much money off of this. It's possible. And you get to keep it on your store. Mm-hmm. Which is also interesting because you're still sort of working blind because nobody knows what Steam's numbers are in right. comparison. Right, right. Um, we just have kind of extrapolated yeah. what we believe, but kind of we really spy, don't know. Like, yeah. Like that, but, but yeah, you're sort of you're still sort of guessing. Yeah. Unless you're the person actually selling the game. Yeah. So and publishers, be, for whatever reason, rarely ever release PC sales figures because they're not impressive. They're probably low. Yeah. And I wonder too if Valve is like just you know just keep that to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you don't. You never really see like you know. I mean, indie games will say like in numbers because you know hundreds of thousands are good when you're a game with a budget that low. Yeah. Or like they'll say like, oh, when when we had this Steam sale, we sold you know X times as many as we normally do. Well, you, know, you you rarely get hard numbers. Yeah. In that regard, I mean, it must work for somebody because otherwise they wouldn't do it. But um, I don't know. I think I think this is just you know, 
the the big players are you know took notice of the Epic Store, and there's you know here's Ubisoft sort of you know deciding to get their feet wet. Yep. And we'll see if they do it again. That'll probably be the best indicator that it was successful. Good point. So. Good point. If they do it again, it worked. If they don't, it didn't. Yep. And we'll probably know that in about four months' time. Yep. Like so, like whatever their fall game is. Yeah. If that, if that doesn't also they do that again, then yeah, I'm, I'm pretty we'll safe saying like the Division Two was a successful experiment. We will absolutely know. So there you go. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about something that's hard to talk about. So you're not going to see a lot of podcasts discussing this topic, and for good reason. There actually a couple did this week. I was pretty surprised by that, um, and that is what's going on with Randy Pitchford at Gearbox right now. So Randy has a spotty reputation at best uh, during his tenure at Gearbox. Uh, we can go back all the way to the Aliens, Colonial Marines mm-hmm. lawsuit and all the stuff that happened with that. Um, if you work in the industry, you generally know a lot more about Randy than people who don't. Um, and that's what's going to be tough for us today discussing <laughs> this because... We talk to people, and we hear a lot of stories, and we know, well, maybe we don't know. We think yeah. we know a lot of stuff about Randy and Gearbox. Some of the stuff is hearsay, and we have to be very careful here because there is a lawsuit around all this. Um, and just to kind of get you up to speed on what's going on if you're not a regular on Sifted, uh, essentially what happened is Randy Pitchford has been the head of Gearbox. Uh, Gearbox, as you know, creates the Borderla- uh, Borderlands franchise. Um Gearbox was suing one of its old financial people, saying that he had basically embezzled money or misappropriated funds and and used corporate credit cards for personal finances. Um, That's what happened first. That was months and months ago. That was months ago. Uh, Mid to late December, he files a countersuit against Gearbox and Randy Pitchford, basically alleging that Randy had embezzled 12 million dollars although it wasn't really embezzling basically what he's saying is that the publisher of their game take two gave him a 12 million dollar executive bonus Mm. but that money was misappropriated and was supposed to go to the team and spread out across the entire team at gearbox that's the business side of what this guy is accusing him of now there's a bunch of other personal stuff that he's also accused him of and how do we say this? Well, first we say it's hearsay. It is hearsay. In the in because you can say pretty much anything you want in a in a lawsuit like this. Right. And uh, and depending on how you word it and the verbiage that you and the, use. And the verbiage of this the verbiage of this uh, uh, lawsuit you know this uh, do- document is filed makes it clear that he the 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 guy suing them is saying that he heard about this. Like it's right. not that he has firsthand knowledge of these things. But that this is what he was told. The stuff we're about to talk about. Yeah, yeah. He the 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 money thing is straight up. He's like, I know. He's saying, I know this happened. Right. Yeah. Allegedly. And there have been other corroborators of that mm-hmm. as well. So basically, so the 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 overall thing is like, you know, Gearbox and Randy said, you know, this guy st- he misappropriated all these funds, and then the guy that they were accusing of came back and said, you, oh, want, no. you want to talk about misappropriating funds? Yeah. Like. Let's look at this. So they're, it's kind of like they're throwing, they're both throwing giant misappropriated money f- figures at each other. Yeah. And it's kind of going to be up to the courts to figure out which of them, if either, is true. And in that filing, mm-hmm. in the count, I guess you can call it a counter filing. It's a countersuit. There it was a lot of personal 
stuff yeah. in there as well. Um, one of the stories was that Randy had left a thumb drive at a restaurant and the thumb drive had private and secure information for companies like Microsoft, Sony, Take-Two. And not only that, there, were, there was adult content also mm. on the thumb drive. Corroborating that story is Randy himself, who went on a podcast many moons ago. I think the day or two days after the original suit was filed, in right. fact. Went on a podcast and basically corroborated all of it. He said that he had, in fact, went to Medieval Times, which is, for those of you who don't live in California, I guess maybe there is oh, a chain medieval everywhere. Times everywhere. Are there? Yeah. It's a place where you go to eat dinner, and there's like a medieval festival that takes place while you eat. Mm -hmm. And you eat with your hands, and it's like this whole throwback thing uh, while performance art happens in front of you. So he goes to dinner with people from Gearbox, including... Yep. The guy who eventually filed the countersuit. Yeah, because they were apparently very good friends for yep. a while. Like best friends. Until this all yes. went, went down. Right. And he leaves He leaves a thumb drive there. And it does, in mm -hmm. fact, have secret information yeah. from all these companies which on it. Which does happen. Which does happen. Like, that's, that's how we found out about like three different Assassin's Creed it games. It is true. And it also did have adult content mm. on the thumb drive. Which and, he discussed on the podcast. Which he discussed on the podcast. And... Kind of the rub with the adult content is in the countersuit, his ex-friend and colleague said that it was underaged porn. Mm -hmm. Randy claims that it, while it was on the fringe, that it was legal in that mm -hmm. the actor or actors were 18 or older. Right. The barely Maybe 18, thing. probably 18. Yeah. So he essentially had pornography on the thumb drive that was some would argue a man of his age probably a little tasteless to have but technically not illegal mm -hmm. and it's interesting that this was thrown into the countersuit almost as like a character assassination ploy because yeah, well because like it seems like you know it's it, you know the the underage part is in quotes in this in the right. filing which allows the filing to be off the hook if it's inaccurate and it's meant it's 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 couched as it's hearsay so it's like I don't know this for sure but I heard someone say this and maybe someone should look into it kind of, but the whole point is you say stuff like that because you want people to sort of associate that with the person you're suing. So that even if there's no merit to it, people associate that with that person. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a not a nice thing to do it's when you're, when you're when you're going after someone for that. But it happens a lot. It does. Um, it happens and, in a pretty much every divorce filing. <laughs> yeah, like like you throw in stuff. It's like okay, well this doesn't this is not a thing. We can't act on this because hearsay is not admissible or whatever. But it's already in the filing. When you're doing it to someone who's a public figure, um, it can have harder consequences. Um, but you can see even like in the, in the, the, the reports about the, the lawsuit, mo, uh, like at least Kotaku did not put that part in the, the lead. in the lead because yeah. it's hearsay and they didn't want that to be the story. Right. But yeah. of course, stories take a life of their own. Well, own. it's still in the story. Yeah. And for the people who actually read the story, it doesn't matter whether it's in the lead but you or don't not. Want that to, still you don't want that to be the whole story. Right. Cause the you put that in the headline, it's the only thing anyone's going to read. Well, you want to make sure you have facts in your headline right. instead of hearsay. Um, so Kotaku actually handled the story well, very well. Yeah, that was actually, you know, a lot of, like, mainline news outlets would probably have not have resisted the temptation yeah. on that one. Jason so Schreier, credit, credit to Schreier again, on that another one. great job by him. Uh, and then the other allegation was that Pitchford was having parties 
at a theater that were called peacock parties. And I think when you first hear that, it's pretty easy to kind of go to a salacious place. Mm. And then he actually went into detail saying that these parties were opportunities for adult men to expose themselves to minors. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, I don't I don't really believe that. Well, if <laughs> like, so the peacock parties are real. Yeah. He has peacock but it's, parties. But it's because he has a theater in his house that's called the, the pe- peacock He calls it the theater. peacock theater. He has, a, yeah. he has a proscenium stage in his house because Randy's a magician. And if you, and this is where, well, first of all, I saw some, I've, I've seen other people reporting that they've been to those parties. Mm-hmm. I've, I have not personally talked to people, but I've talked to people who know people who went to those parties and they all say that they are completely benign and fine. It's actually Randy Pitcher, which a lot of people don't realize this is a magician yep. and he does performances for the people that come to his parties in the Peacock theater, thus the Peacock parties. And so ultimately, he's he's actually a good magician. He is. He's He's very good. And he's the, he's the, I believe the nephew of uh, the great Cardini, who is, if you look him up, is a legendary legendary magician of the 20th century. Yeah. And so it appears, I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, it appears that Randy's being honest. I mean, Mm -hmm. he admitted to what was on the thumb drive. He kind of had to because a kid found the thumb drive and took it home (laughs) (laughs) and looked at all the stuff on it. But he has not tried to deny anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess he tried to deny the Peacock Party stuff by explaining what it really was. Right. And then other people, multiple people have corroborated that story. Mm-hmm. The thing about, like, I mean, the fact that he has a stage in his house is not a secret. Like, everyone who's ever worked at Gearbox has told He's me filthy. that. He's filthy. Let's start with this. He's filthy rich. Maybe he, he's filthy rich because he stole $12 million from Gearbox. We don't know, but he's, well, that, he is he's, filthy rich. He's been well off for longer than when this yes. alleges that happened. Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's, he's been running Gearbox since 1999. He's, right. not a, you know, he's, a, he's a high profile, he's not been making well-paid a pittance. man. Yeah. yeah. He lives in a small town in Texas outside of Dallas called Frisco. Remember? Frisco. Um, and according, I, as a San Francisco native, I know that town because uh, somebody's like, hey, I'm from Frisco. I'm like, what do you do? And like, oh, no, Texas. I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. You look, can't call San Francisco that. And look, here is some hearsay on my part. This is not fact. This is legitimately hearsay. Things that I heard other people say. And that is that Randy basically runs that town. He, first of all, employs a ton of people. It's a small town. Everybody knows him. He has been involved in redevelopment projects in the downtown. So he's kind of in cahoots with the mayor of the town. So much so that if you go to Gearbox, his wife has a huge cafe in the bottom floor uh, of their building that allegedly she they pay no rent for. So there are ties in the community with Randy. He's helping the community. They're helping him. It's like a symbiotic relationship between Gearbox and the little town that they're in. Yeah. Not an uncommon thing, really. It's not uncommon at all. But that's, that is what I've heard, is that there may be some protection going on in that small town because of things that Randy and Gearbox has done for the town. And so no one's really 100% sure about any of the information that's coming out is legitimate or accurate or true. And, and by the looks of things, my guess is with this lawsuit, it probably never goes to court. There's going to be a settlement out of court because, and that may have been the plan all along from this ex-employee slash friend. Is that ex-friend? Right. Like That's what I said. Ex-employee slash yeah. friend. And he knows that if you put this salacious stuff 
in the countersuit, you're basically signaling, okay, this is what we're going to bring up in court, which is basically a dog whistle to say, hey, let's not go to court. Let's settle this mm -hmm. out of court, which is what I think the ultimate goal is of the countersuit. I don't think we're ever going to get any more clarity on what's happened here. It, but, does, it does feel like the strategy is um, from the guy who's representing himself, I right. might add. Because he is a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, but even if you're a lawyer... That's not a good Probably idea. Probably you don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, but he is, he is doing it. Um, it really does feel to me, and I'm not a lawyer, um, but I do come from a family of legal stuff. It does feel like a, hey, let's settle this so we can make this go away sort of thing. Yeah. For both of us. Yes. Like yeah. we just can all be over if, if we just, you know, just signing up paper. some cash, sign this paper, and we all never talk about it again. Yep. But... To me, there is irreparable damage that's been done to Randy Pitchford. Mm -hmm. I would, you, how would not, do you come back from that? I don't know. Like for well, for one thing, I would say, don't settle, fight it. Yeah. Like take it to courts. You know, get like, it out there and do what you can. I mean, it's hard to put that genie back in the bottle. You can't. Not so. with the internet. No. It's, and uh, everybody jumps to judgment very quickly, and then that spreads across all the search engines and across YouTube, mm -hmm. and there's nothing you can do about it. It's also it's also a weird to me. It's weird in the sense that like, okay, so if all these things he's alleging, not just the not the the money, but like the personal stuff, he's the alleging, sorted stuff. Yeah. yeah. If you knew that, why did you wait until now to report any about it? Like, yeah. if you know that shit. Why are you not on the horn to the cops right away? Well, that's because not... before he was protecting a friend. Uh -huh. Now that they're no well, longer friends. Well, guess what? You still don't look good. Yeah. After you know, like I, I don't know if he thought through what that implication is. Well, I think he was at a dead end. I mean, he wasn't going to get any money. Mm -hmm. He's being sued. He's probably going to end up having to pay a ton of money. He's backed into a corner. He's not rich like Randy. He's a lawyer. He's probably not poor, but he doesn't have Randy Pitchford money. Mm -hmm. I mean, what other, what other course could he take at that point it's like you're kind of backed into a corner and you don't really have any way out at that point and if you don't want to go broke getting sued by a gigantic corporation the size of take two yeah i don't know we'll see how it plays out how but, does it play uh, out for randy though so well, you're, well look, he's you're, def he's definitely not going to be on the borderlands 3 press tour i'm going is to guess. he not i don't think he i don't think you want him out there for that no. so take two has and Gearbox have released countless replies and rebuttals to this. Like, mm -hmm. Gearbox's lawyer is, like, working overtime. Like, he, he, the, he or she is literally replying to every little thing that the ex-employee states or writes in a complaint. It is, like, very granular how it is addressed each one of these things. But when you start thinking about the parent company, take two... And I'm, first of all, shocked that Take-Two is letting Gearbox handle this. Usually by now... Take-Two take two doesn't own them. It doesn't. No. But it's related to one of its projects that was right. worked on. The $12 million payment came from Take-Two, so it's still wrapped up in the whole mm -hmm. saga in a number of different ways. But for whatever reason, it is just step back and let the, the studio's <laughs> lawyers... Yeah, Take-Two is kind of doing the, uh, my name's Paul, and it's between y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that might be what it is. It's yeah. like... Look, we've been mentioned once in this already. That's like, one time you, too many. You can keep the twelve million bucks. We don't just, mm, like, just stop talking about pause it. Pause when Borderlands is done. We don't. Mm, <laughs> oof, we'll be over here. We'll be over here rolling in the Red Dead cash. But the thing is, is, if you don't send Randy out to represent Borderlands Three and do all the press tours and all that kind of stuff, 
Aren't you kind of admitting that something bad happened? No. You're just controlling the narrative because you don't you want the the tour to be about Borderlands 3 and not endless game journalists asking him about the allegations. Yeah. That would never happen anyway, by the way. Well, never happened. Depends where you go. If I were there it would have happened. <laughs> but the way most journalists go and do these junkets, they don't ask questions. Yeah, like I that. suppose, but you know there's going to be you know, it's like well, you just skip Kotaku and But see, Waypoint Jason Schreier doesn't go to that stuff. He would for that. Mm, no. They'd probably still send the person who has to do the actual work around covering the game. Or they send both. Or I think, whatever. I think you, you get both. And then, and then you're at the point where it's like, well, are we denying interviews with the people we know are going to ask real questions? Or I mean, like, Well, yeah, they will. Yeah. I mean, like, they've been doing that for But it's simpler decades. from a PR point of view. You just don't send him. You send other people. Well, you send the creative director and some of the voice people and, you know, the guy who does Claptrap. It's, it's so obvious, it. though, what's going on then. So? Does that make it worse? Because they're going to write a story Doesn't about it, it, But do- then they're going to write stories that Randy Pitchford is no longer pitching the studio's games. I mean, either way, you're going to have a bad story written about you. Yeah, but at least it doesn't get more traction and Randy doesn't accidentally say something that, that everybody sound bites for 25 minutes. That's a good point. And like all, That's you know, a good like, point. Yeah. It, like, you know automatically if you keep him out of the spotlight, you know what the damage will be. If you put him Not in the spotlight. Not with Randy, you don't, though. If you put him in the spotlight, you have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, he's he's always been a loose cannon. Yeah. I mean, he's just always he's, he's been a that maverick. Way. He is. Yeah. I mean, that's probably what he prefers to be called, particularly since he. And that's one Texas. of the reasons they would always bring him out for stuff like this normally because he's entertaining. He's also very nice. Yes. <laughs> like if you meet him, he's like the nicest guy you'll ever he meet. Yes. Like I've I've talked to him several times about tons of different things. It's I've, been very hard for me to rationalize out, this in my mind. Yeah. Well, I've hung out with his wife at E3. Yeah, several we all. Times. I mean, they're, we, all, they're very nice. If people. you know him, you know her because yeah. she's always with him, tagging along. So. It's very interesting when you know somebody, at least you think you know them personally. Obviously, I didn't. And you hear this stuff about them because you start doing that. It's almost like you go through the, the different uh, stages of grief. You go, yeah. you go through like the denial stage, and then you go through like the reasoning stage where you try to explain it away. And then finally, you get to the acceptance stage. And, and my acceptance stage is I believe he probably took to $12 million. <laughs> I mean, eh, we'll yeah. Find out. Yeah, we probably will, but I've kind of accepted at this point that well, that probably is what happened. Know. There's been a lot of people corroborating that story already. So I'm pretty confident in accepting that. The rest of the stuff, look, I'm not going to judge someone's taste in porn. As long as it's not illegal and the, and the people aren't underaged, do I have a right to judge somebody on that? No, I really, I don't think I do. So I'm not going to... Maybe, maybe you don't keep it on the same thumb drive as your you, official documents that you leave in, a, in yeah. medieval times. Yeah, that but, has you know. all the information for the next, like, three Borderlands <laughs> games and, like, all the deals you've cracked with all the major publishers involved. Yeah. Like I mean, that, look, he made a huge mistake. Could you imagine how he felt the moment he realized mm-hmm. that flash drive was gone? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. We the, all get the that. The porn would not be the first thing I was concerned about in that situation. <laughs> it wouldn't be either. Well, particularly if you know that it's not illegal and that right. the, the people are Which, of age. If he's he's talking about it on a podcast, next, like, yeah. I, I feel like it's probably not. That moment, though, when you realize that it's like, it's like that everyone's had that moment. They're like, oh, I lost my keys. And you've had that moment where that heat wave comes over you mm-hmm. and your heart kind of jumps. Imagine what he felt. That I mean, moment. I felt that when I've accidentally left like press kits, right? Places, right. Let yeah. alone, yeah. It was like, it's like, oh no, they'll they'll find out how many players it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> 
Imagine him. Yeah. All that documentation. How fast did he drive back there? You know, it was all locked up, and he's like beating on the door, like, I know there's someone in there. Let me in. Like, and then he didn't get it. And I guess the next day, he probably just was like, well, I'm going to talk about it now to make myself feel better. So that's what I'm going to do. But uh, this is probably the most salacious story I remember from all my time covering the gaming industry. Uh, yeah, I mean... The prostitutes at E3, that was a that big was one. That was a thing. Um, I don't know if salacious probably doesn't really apply, but the, the God of War 2 press event in Europe where they sacrificed a goat. You remember that one? No, I don't remember that. That was in, that was in Greece. I think that was literally actually in Greece. And they... <laughs> It was a big like pagan whatever, and they did they actually sacrificed a goat, but like the goat was actually pre-bought for like whatever, and like, I don't I don't know if they actually I don't oh think I don't think they actually killed it there, but it was like they they had like a roast goat that was supposed to be like a sacrifice. It was like a it was some scandal around it. Well, I remember um, like for Shadow it was, Man, not, most of the people we know didn't go to that because it was a European Sony Europe thing. Yeah, so, like, yeah. It's not, nobody's flying out to the goat event. Well, I think also in Europe there was a Shadow Man thing where or something Acclaim did where they like. Got they basically put people's tombstones in like a graveyard or something. Like, oh, that was here. That was, that was a that was a thing where you could like rent out your tombstone or something to to like show, was, yeah, show Shadow like Man. That. And then it was the thing where they. I mean, that's not salacious. Or it's just sort of tasteless, right? And that's they, what I'm saying. I think this is the most salacious thing that has happened in the games industry. Yeah, I'm, tr I'm trying to think. Like, not a lot of sex scandals, really. I mean, nope. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of harassment. Yeah. Um, but not like this sort of like it, they're not things that you would expect to see on like next season's Law and Order. We you know? don't get to see behind the curtain very often to find out what your favorite developer is really like. Mm. I'm sure all our, all our favorite developers, if we found out what they're really like, there are things that we probably wouldn't be too right. enthused about. Well, I mean, look, but I he was just laid bare basically. But also, I don't have any inside information on this. But like, it would it would pretty it would shock me to find out that the the allegations about the porn stuff was true yeah like, i don't that i mean that doesn't strike me as someone i don't know randy particularly well but like he never came off as creepy or skeezy like he that. didn't he, until i heard him describe what was actually in the porn that was yeah. on the thumb drive like the way he described it and the verbiage that he used made me believe that this isn't his homeboy's first rodeo like this is like a thing for him porn Okay. And whether it's illegal porn or not, it's like you're saying like I can't ima I, I can kind of imagine well, I'm something. I'm talking going about up. the allegation that he is has underage porn on that on that drive. I don't I mean I'm sure there was porn on it cuz he talked about it. Right. But in terms of being illegal, that would that would he doesn't seem like a pedophile. I don't know. You know? I, I don't I don't know. I'm not willing to say that I don't believe or I do believe that. Um, I just don't feel like I have enough information. We don't have any information other than what he said and what was in the Yeah, well, the that, like, we literally don't have any information. And, like, the countersuit hearsay alleged thing from guy who is already being sued by them, I don't consider that information yet. Yeah. It's not information. It's right. just something a guy said. Right. That's what I said. A we guy don't have, said That's he what heard. I just said. We don't have any information. So it's unfortunate that, like, he seems to be getting crucified already for... for you know the, the implications of that but like if there is something behind it i'm sure they'll get to the bottom of it but until then i'm not gonna really i don't think they will get to the bottom of it because the thumb drive's gone well yeah but i mean if you're accused of something like that usually the police are going to dig into you for it yeah it's possible but uh i think no matter what this is bad for borderlands this is bad for gearbox <laughs> not the start i'd hope for no <laughs> 
Do you think it affects the interest or the sales of Borderlands 3 at all? No. Yeah, me either. I mean, frankly... <laughs> if the game is good, people are going to buy right. it and play well, also, it. Well, also, like, line. frankly, I don't think, um, like, most people are ever going to hear about this. Yeah. Like, the mainstream, the mainstream audience is never going to know this happened. I'm guessing there are people who are watching Game Phase that don't even know that yeah. this was going on until we started talking about it. Um, and again, it's one of those stories that you're not going to see a lot of podcasts talking about. I was pleasantly surprised that a couple did this week. Um, but typically, you talk about pod, like IGN's podcast. Think they're going to talk about this? Probably not. Uh, they're not allowed to swear on podcasts on yeah. IGN. They're not. Yeah. I mean, they're and for their audience, it makes sense. You, know, you need to keep it clean. But um, so you're right. This story is not going to get disseminated out to everybody, and it's only been reported once. Like Kotaku reported it, and then yeah. a bunch of YouTubers did their thing right. with it. But, but there's nothing else to say about it. Yeah. Yeah, until there's more information, or ultimately what I believe is going to happen is they just settle out of court. The settlement happens and And we won't know any of, the any of the details of that. We'll just know that they settled, and off we go. Mm -hmm. Unless there's another countersuit for defamation of character. Which is possible. Which I would say there's grounds for. And, so. yeah, because will I ever look at him the same? I won't. I mean, ideally you're protected from the accusations you make, especially through hearsay in a lawsuit like that. But because of the far-reaching social consequences of what that guy's saying, you could theoretically try to come back on it with it. I mean, I won't look at Randy the same. I hate to say it, but I won't look at him the same again. Because of the money? Or all all of it. Mm. Just the whole story. It's just like, I just feel like I got a good idea of his character from all of this. Not just one thing. It's the, the accumulative effect. And you start going back to some of the stuff that's happened with him in the past that I kind of let slip and say, oh, that's just... Fa aliens fanboys being angry and like i always found a way to let him off I the mean, hook that game was bad it was it was awful <laughs> yeah i mean don't get me and wrong you see that thing last i'm not saying that the fans were wrong right. that it wasn't that it was a great game but i'm just saying like i always just like i have to, had to deal with fanboys for the last 20 years i get it like i know that they can be insane and so i always just kind of like oh it's just fan fanboys being fanboys but with this, I can't really do that. I can't really let him off the hook. Like, it appears that he stole $12 million from people, from his employees who were supposed to get money, who were busting their butts working on these games for two, three years on, like, 80-hour weeks. Like, it, to me, it, I'm not saying that I think he's, like, a pervert or he's a pedophile or anything like that. I'm just saying that my overall opinion of his character is different than it was before this stuff happened, and not in a good way. Hmm. Well... I don't know. I maybe I'm just more cynical when it comes to people who run companies. Um, you think they're all terrible, like politicians? Sorta, a little bit. And like, I'm not saying like that makes me think of them as bad, but like, it's sort of it's sort of the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and like, it, 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 beyond that, I'm gonna have to wait and see where this case goes if it goes anywhere. Um, I think you're right. There's a good chance it settles and was just never talked about again as part of the settlement. Because neither one of these sides want this to get dragged through the press again. Maybe, or unless, unless Randy what well, does. You know, and I Randy, mean, well, you're right because can, he is kind of fighting for his name right now. Yeah, I mean, I if I were him, I would probably would you? I would think very seriously about you know taking it to trial. What would you do? Um, I would, you know, as at least part of the settlement, I would demand. Like a, a, pu a public retraction of yep. the non-monetary accusations. Yep. Me too. And if he refused to do that, then I would probably then you keep, I would yeah, fight you, it. Then you move forward. Yeah. yeah. If you have the wherewithal to do it. Yeah. 
So I mean that, that I mean, and then I mean that doesn't even and he get, does that he doesn't even get into the question of like what do you do if you know that you did take the money yeah because um, I don't know one way or the again this is just this is just pe- two sides throwing accusations at each other yep. in court and you know we may never know the truth of it we probably won't yeah but yeah so there you go so <laughs> what happens with Borderlands three now <laughs> you think we just never see Randy Pitchford again like he. Will they show it at E3 for the first time? Like, he's no, not going to be there to do I, interviews? Probably and... not, but I mean, it's not, I think, I don't think he'll disappear forever. I mean, you know, there'll probably be a time to to have him come back on stage one day. What is the grace period on something like know. that? I don't know. Like, what would be Borderlands next? What would be Gearbox's next game after Borderlands 3? It'd probably be three or four years from now. So, yeah, yeah that probably would be enough time. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think after this, Randy will probably be more than happy to lay low for a little while. Or maybe not. I don't know. His personality, actually, maybe not. Yeah, he's a big personality. And yeah. he's, uh, and also, like, if you if he comes out of this feeling vindicated, you know, if, if they... Yeah. You know, like, He'd I, come back he harder have, than before. He'd have no reason to, yeah. to go low. It's true. That's a good point. To go low profile, rather. Not to, yep. go, not to go low. That sounds like I think he was just going to be... <laughs> he's going to be a dick forever. I don't know, I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm guessing we get more on this pretty soon because I don't think either one of these sides wants this to drag on for a really long time. No. And Uh, I wonder like even the, even the law, the countersuit, I wonder if, uh, that guy thought it would get the attention even it's gotten so far. He probably thought no one would even see it. I mean, Schreier was doing digging. Like he dug through like legal filings and found it. So Mm. It wasn't like they sent out a press release to, to all the so, journalists. Like, hey, it's like PR. It's like, alert Kotaku. <laughs> it's the, the suit's coming in. Yeah, you know, that's like, not happening. So yeah, he did some digging and dug it yeah, up. So yeah, I think I think yeah. he's definitely surprised at what's going on right now. Yeah. So this is probably already higher profile than he ever he thought ever that dreamed would it would be because he's getting dragged through the mud too now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, we obviously they filed a suit against him a long time ago, but it was kind of one of those things that was reported one day and forgotten the next. So. Him counterfiling just drags it all through the mud again, and now his name is getting dragged through the mud again. So, yeah, I think both sides just want this to go away as quickly as possible. Um, Randy may have to make some reparations for the money if it turns out that they investigate and they find out that, in fact, he did take money illegally. But you know what? If Take-Two gave him a check for $12 million and said, this is for you, he didn't do anything wrong. You'd be surprised what is not illegal. When it comes to that kind I know. of money, it's a bonus. A so I don't know. I mean, you could end up in an ethical problem, but like you know, that would kind of be between. You could have all your staffers quit. Yeah, and but, your studio could go down the toilet. But in terms but... of that, it would probably be between like you know the founder, or the, the the owners of the company is usually the yeah. the, the the question there. Yep. Um, I don't remember who co-owns that with him or whatever, because I know he's not the only founder, but I I don't remember anyone except him. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Like, there's a there's a there's a hundred different ways this could go. Yeah, and I think we'll get one final story that is just settled. We don't know any of the details about it unless we see the person who countersued going and retracting the stuff that was in there. Yeah, I mean, I would. That, but I think that's that the only be, resolution we'll get. That would be top of my list uh, in that situation. If you were Randy. Yeah. yeah, it would be like, you know. You, you have to clear my name. Yeah, you yeah. have to say that that was not a thing that happened. Yeah. It was something I heard, but as it turns out, it was not true. Yeah. Something along those lines. But anyway. Yeah, which is which actually uh, can be a tough ask because uh, things like I heard that gets you off the hook for a lot it of does. stuff. It does, absolutely. Semantics. Semantics matter when you're talking about the yeah. law. Big time. 
Uh, and look, if this is all lies, I feel really bad for Randy. Yeah. Really bad. Uh, that would really, really suck if someone just randomly got mad at you and accused you of something you didn't do. Um, I mean, look, people write false stuff about me on the internet all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but it's nothing like this, and it's nothing that you know would make my family question my integrity. Uh, when you start talking about stuff like this, that's where it really, really gets dirty. Uh, so I hope that uh, if it is not true, that Randy does vindicate himself. Um, and, I, and I honestly hope it's not true, because I like Randy. I think he's a, every time I've hung out with him, he's been a great guy. So mm -hmm. uh, I hope if it's not true, he gets vindicated, and I hope ultimately it is not true. But we shall see. So let's move on. We're going to move to our next and last topic of this week's Game Face, and we're going to discuss Resident Evil 2. We talked about it a little bit during the Sifted uh, Video Game Fantasy Draft, uh, because I drafted it first overall for me, second overall in, in the entire draft. <laughs> But the, what, is they, what are they calling it? The one-shot demo? Yes, one-shot one shot demo. One-shot demo has been on PS4 and Xbox One for the last several days. And PC. And PC as yeah, well? It's also on PC. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, it is, and true to its name, you have one shot at it. And you basically have a 30-minute timer that you can use to play. Uh, people have found workarounds. For instance, mm. if you own a PS4 and you have multiple accounts on your PS4... You can play it on one account and then flip over to another account and then play it on that account. And conceivably, you could keep creating accounts to play it as much as you want to. That seems to be the easiest way to play it more than once. Uh, there are some other like things going on, on, like I think in the PC version, where people can go in and like mess with like their internal clock or whatever. A lot of the other ways have been probably not worth it. Mm. Uh, but the way it is set up now is you have 30 minutes, and as far as, as far as you can get into the demo is as far as you can go. Now, I will say this. I watched a speed run of this demo, and they finished the entire thing in 1 minute and 57 seconds. Hmm. So, conceivably, you can very easily make it through this entire thing. I played the game straight. In that speed run, the, the gentleman who was playing it just ran past everything, which... Right. Brings its own set of concerns, in all honesty, well, that no, we'll talk about that, a little bit. But Have you ever played Resident Evil before? Well, yeah, I've played them all. Because that's how you speedrun Resident Evil. Oh, well, I've never, I've never tried to speedrun Resident Evil. Just because Evil. the speedrunners are doing it does not mean that's how you're going to be playing the game, I promise. Like, you can, you can run through everything in every Resident Evil game without touching anything. Like, that's standard stuff. Now, there have been games where I've been able to do that. Yeah. Not Resident Evil, well, some but just like, other games where I can just run past oh, the enemies. And that's a flaw. That's you, a problem. It's not a flaw. It's how you play the game. Like, Code Veronica, you cannot get through that game without running past a bunch of zombies because there's literally not enough ammo. No, I'm, there are, I'm not talking about Resident Evil. I'm talking about other, other games where I've been able to do this. And it absolutely is like the sign of a broken game when you can just run past the enemies and their pathfinding or their AI isn't smart enough to keep following you. Well, they're zombies. I mean, they're not supposed to be smart. I bet you can't do that to the liquors. I don't know. Because I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get any. to a liquor. Yeah, I didn't either. I, I didn't. was hoping to get to a liquor. All I saw were cops eating cops. Right. <laughs> and but the, zombie, but the zombies in Resident Evil have always been like that. Yeah, like, they're brain dead or whatever. I mean, they're a little more aware in this one. They'll come after you in the next room, which, you know, that was not a thing you could do when you had to load between each right each yeah. door you know yeah <laughs> that's a good point uh so you've played it as well yeah what are your impressions matt of resident evil 2 the remake i like it yeah it's like a resident evil 4 but resident evil 2 but in a police station yeah in the weirdest <laughs> police station ever built it is a very weird police station 
It's like, how could you go to work every day in this building and not be like, I quit? Oh, I forgot my medallions with lions and eagles on them, so now I can't go to the bathroom. Yeah. Now, I know what you're seeing right now. You're like, oh my gosh, I've seen this a million times. But this is really the very first part of the demo, and it is very similar to what they've shown a bunch. But eventually, it allows you to open up an entirely new door and go to an entire new section of the police uh, department and experience tons of brand new content. Mm. Um, the first thing I would say is when I watched this demo being played by others over the last several months, and in all honesty, when I played it at E3, it was much slower. I don't know if they've... Maybe the, I mean, they're nearing the finishing the game at this point. So maybe like the enemy placement is final now. Near, they better be finished. But there are enemies everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like I constantly, constantly was in combat with zombies. Like no, they, they definitely pop up. To, they popped up a lot. I did notice. You know, there's like there's like boards you can find that you can like yep. cover you can up, board windows up windows so they to keep more of them there. from coming in. Yeah. Um, they can. T- it takes uh, three good shots to the brain. Uh, you say three. Awesome. I say six. No, I, I did it every single one I ran into. And You'll three, see in this footage. I mean, I think there's one zombie I literally shot in the head eight times. I eight ne- times. I never ran into die. one that didn't go down with three. And although sometimes, because um, it's hard to tell when they're dead. Uh, and a couple times I've shot them in three and they fell down. And I walked over to them and kind of, you know, you can't kick them. But you kind of walk up and be like, you know. And sometimes they'll grab you if you haven't killed yeah, them. Yeah, I can't enough. tell when they're dead at all. But um, like, like I've I've thought they, they were down, dead. I've walked out of a room, come back in the room, the body's still laying there, and when I walk by the body, it grabs me by the leg. Yeah, well, so, like, so, like so, like there's a. This is so gross, by the way. They're so pulling like, your guts out. There's, co- there's a section where I okay, I'm like where I finally we kind of figured out. So, okay, three to the head, and they fall over, and so I can get past them. So three to the head, this one guy, and I went into a room. There's another zombie in there. Three to the head, he's down. And then I start seeing, uh, and I go back out the side, uh, the, the room, and the guy I'd shot before has gotten up again. And I'm like, well, I thought I killed you. So I shot him again. One more shot to the head, and he finally, the, the head kind of exploded, and he fell over. So and you then, just watch there. I shot him three times in the head. He goes down to the ground. I go to the next room, and he comes back after me. And then the... Uh, Four, five... I, I don't know where you're getting three, dude. And the, every zombie every, I killed took every, at least five shots. I'm getting three because every single zombie I shot went down in three. And then sometimes they, when I leave the room, so like after I'd shot the guy again, suddenly the, the doors to the room I just left, which has no other entrance, start rattling. I'm like, okay, well, where is that guy coming from? Because I killed the only zombie there. And the same zombie comes out with all the same bullet wounds in his head, and I shoot him again, and his jaw flies off, and he falls over dead again. So three was the magic number to make them go down so I could get away, but sometimes they get back up. They get up. back up. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that. Like, I, it's like yeah. you don't know, like... Also, the, the, just the, the detail in, in the, the damage gore. on the bodies, yeah. where, where you shoot them matters, will cause different kinds of, you know, like shooting them in the top of the head brings them down faster than shooting them in the, like just in the face or in the jaw, because you've yeah. you got to aim for the brain, but, the, but shooting them in the jaw will cause jaw damage, and like the, it'll hang, or like, you know, blow the jaw away, the, and, and then like when you get the shotgun, you're causing even more massive damage to them. I it's never like, even found the damn shotgun. It's incredi- it's incredible. I got the shells, I never got the shotgun. But the gore in this is off the freaking charts. It's like the best ever. Mm-hmm. It's the most Mortal realistic Com- gore I've ever seen Mortal in a video. Mortal Kombat 11 has its work cut out. It and really I did, does. I didn't think I'd be saying that. Yeah, because but. the last MK was the goriest game I had ever seen before I played this one. Like, it is, like, I don't know if you guys saw, but that one shot where, and I got overwhelmed by zombies in this game. Like, I got tackled by two of them or three of them, 
And, and like, as always with Resident Evil, they have these very grotesque death scenes. And I don't know if you guys saw it, but earlier, the one death scene, the zombies are pulling his Leon's guts out and eating them. Like, so yeah. It, it has all the stuff that have made the modern Resident Evils great. Um, I think maybe the one thing I would say is that it, it is very similar to what we've been playing since Resident Evil 4 mm -hmm. um, and with Leon to boot. Sort of. I mean, you're not punching any boulders or... Yet. I mean, the... Well, played Resident Evil 2 before. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I don't know. I I'm not making that assumption yet. I'm going to go ahead and make that assumption because it's Resident <laughs> Evil 2. It's not... It, it, that doesn't happen. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, I don't think that this game is just a one-for-one -one recreation, though, of Resident Evil 2. I think they take liberties with it a lot. Here and there, but, like, I recognize individual rooms and corners and staircases and, like, this scene... I mean, this scene is not the same. I mean, the original, you just find him kind of sitting on the right. ground. Yeah. But, like... The beats are the same. Yeah. Um, the puzzles aren't the same, but the beats are the same as sort of the, the general play. I don't think you're going to go completely like off the rails and like suddenly you're running through the bowels of hell, punching fire boulders and like I me. Mean, that's that's <laughs> only Chris Redfield can do that. Leon's a rookie. <laughs> and this he is, and it is survival horror. So your ammo is limited. I ran out of ammo several times. In fact, I ran out of ammo and I broke my knife and had no way to fight zombies at all. Hmm. No way. And I just then I started running past them, trying to find rooms to find more ammo. Interesting. Because your knife dulls and breaks right. if you use it too much. And I'd ran out of ammo, and I'd use it a ton, and I broke my knife, and I had nothing. Why well, I, I had I found plenty of ammo. I was surprised. Um, it's like I said, it, I'm using six or seven shots to the head every time they drop a zombie. Well, you, you gotta wait for the. You gotta aim. You gotta wait. You, you can't. Certainly, you can't move. That's the other thing. Is like. You can move while you're aiming in this, but you have you're much more accurate if you stand still, here's which is hard. More, here's some other really good. Which gore. is hard because like your instinct is to move away and like, keep them at a distance so you can get aim better. But then you're gonna like your your bullets will go wide of where you're aiming. So I taught myself to stand very still and just shot, shot, I, shot. Look, Matt, are and you really like, trying to tell me how to play Resident Evil? Yeah, because apparently <laughs> you're not doing it right. Really. I just went. You, I was sitting. You were sitting right here. I went through. Went through it. I mean, you can laugh all you want, but it was three I shots. I have the, to the footage head. right here. You can watch it. You can tell whether I'm shooting him in the head or not. I mean, it's. I can't fabricate footage. This is me playing the game. You can watch me shoot him in the head eight times. And I they don't keep know. coming. It's. It was every single zombie three shots. Well, good for you, because <laughs> it didn't work that way for me. And and I ended the, up out the, of ammo. And the demo. The demo didn't end because the time ran out. I had four minutes left, but the, the internet dropped. And apparently it won't let you play if you're not the demo if you're not connected. Um, I assume to keep the time limit honest. Um, but I had like 20. So right there. There was three shots right there before he even fell into the window. Now he's up. I didn't see it. Rewind it, Sam. <laughs> the beauty of the TriCaster. All right, start there. This is really creepy too, by the way. That yeah, the that looks really good. One, one, two. Okay, that was a Josh. No, wait. That was a Josh shot. Three. So Doesn't get, even get, phase him. Doesn't even two. phase him. You Gets right two. back up. That was two. Oh come on! The, the second shot was in his jaw. You have to hit the brain. <laughs> that is how detailed this shit is. <laughs> the other thing too is when you struggle with an enemy, you can use your knife to stab him, but when they go down, you have to retrieve the knife. It stays like in right, their body, yeah, so you yeah. don't actually keep it. I thought that was pretty cool. And then three. 
Not dead. Still there, but that See, was a Josh shot. See, that's what I'm saying, shot. dude. Again, it was a Josh shot. You got to oh. hit the brain. You got to hit the brain. It's bullshit. Anyway, bullshit. They, they're bullet sponges. They take you, way too many bullets. They take three. When you when you play <laughs> He's it, still get, going. When you play it, you'll you'll see. When you play the whole game, you'll see. <laughs> okay. Anyway, and the other thing is, uh, so I don't know how much you found, because uh, uh, I didn't. I used the knife like once. No, I, I used it a ton. I, saw I ran the, out of ammo. I saw there was a. a I just sliced a, that I saw, guy I bits. see there was a bar on it. Like, yeah, right, like, it wears so out pretty fast. There's a, there's a, there must yep. be so there must be a way to sharpen it. Um, I was pretty good on the ammo. The, the the other thing, I ran out of inventory real fast, but I did find two hip packs that added two more slots each. Oh, really? So clearly there's... Uh, and I then... found tons of stuff. I found, uh, like, I found a green herb. I found two red herbs. I found mm. a first aid spray and a toilet. Um, I found the map to the first floor. Uh, I found a key to a gun locker, which I never used. I found another, like, I think it was a spade key that I never yep. used. Um, I ran out of time eventually. Like once I got up to the the very top of the police station, I went into like the second room and I ran. Well, I out wasted of time. too much time looking around. Yeah, like, I was I was too. What's well, so in weird stuff. that they setting this up this way? I think was just dumb because it's like you're you're trying you're basically forcing people to run through a game where they're supposed to get absorbed in the atmosphere. Like uh, it's weird. Like it's. I feel like it's Capcom just saying, well, we don't want to give them too much because then maybe they won't buy the game. It's like no. Like, yeah. It's like, you let me soak in this atmosphere, I'm absolutely going to buy the game. Yeah, and also, like, Resident Evil 2 is a very long game. It is a big, like, big not, game. Yep. It's not a pushover. And if it's, I remember, you know, it took me 24 yeah, it's about, well, hours or something. Well, because you have to play both characters. Right. Like, you know, you went through both discs. It just depended which one you picked first. And there was, you know, slight differences with each one. I always picked Leon first. Um and this, you have no choice. You have to play as Leon right. in the demo. Um, I'm sure there'll be a choice in the final game but uh no i think you could have just made this sort of the police station section of this and like as soon as you solve the main puzzle in the main area yep. the demo ends and that's it i mean i don't i don't know it's weird it, it's an odd choice but i still am have enjoyed the crap out of this it's not going to stop anyone from pl <laughs> from buying it well, I, think that, I mean the proof is in the pudding is that i'm pissed off that i can't keep playing right. it i guess so ultimately well, it works you can always download it on another platform yeah that's right yeah you can download it on another platform or if you have a ps4 and you have like a japanese account and a european mm. account you can play it two more times but so how uh, do you so how do you feel about your first pick now that you've played pretty this? good yeah yeah i mean i still don't think it's going to score like a 9.5 or anything like that i still think it's going to get like a high eight but i, think, I don't think many games are going to score i much think you might be surprised i uh, this this is a nice first impression yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Like, I, when it ended, I was like, no. And I, it's like, I do have, I don't actually. I finally got a PS4 Pro for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I have not gone back and, like, recreated, like, my Japanese and European accounts like I had in my old one. So um, maybe I'll do that. This is probably worth it. But I also just got Ace Combat 7 for review. I'm sorry, Matt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I need to kind of start playing that. So maybe I won't go back. But uh, I, I, after playing this, I feel very good about my pick. Not because I think it's going to score like a 9.5 to a 10, but because I think it's going to be one of the best games this year. And that may end up just being like a high 8 in 2019, depending on what happens with all those Sony first-party games. Yeah. But um, I'm ha totally happy with uh, taking it second overall. I'm cool with that at this point. So it's a ton of fun. Like, it only lasts 30 minutes. It's low commitment. Probably took me 20 minutes to download it, something like that. Highly recommend you go download this. Whatever platform you have, 
PC, Xbox One, PS4, it's out there. Yeah, it's plenty of time to decide whether you're into it or not. Yeah, it's just, you'll figure out real quick. If you're into it, you want quick. more. <laughs> I think after you have like your second altercation, you'll be all in, and you'll go put your money down for a pre-order or uh, just get ready to buy it when it comes out. And it comes out the 25th, I believe. Maybe. I think that's the release I don't date. remember. It's soon. It's coming yeah. real quick. So... Not much longer to wait as well, so get yourself a taste. The first 30 minutes of the game. Is that another it, Friday? That's actually not the first 30 minutes, because the beginning of RE2, you have to make your yeah, way. Yeah, in the city, and like, yeah, that's 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 probably like the third, second 30 minutes or so. Yeah, something like that. So, a uh, nice little cross-section of the game. You do get a chance. I mean, I didn't get to mess with the shotgun, but I've, you said you got it. Yeah. And I've seen footage of people getting a shotgun, and holy cow. Oh, yeah. Holy cow. That thing is a gore-bringer. Yep. I saw some clips of that shotgun that I was just like shocked, the and damage, I am jaded. I mean, the damage models. I I really I really hope they do some like featurettes or something on like yeah how the, all the damage. And they stuff were they were good about that. that after RE7 came out. So I have a feeling that they probably will. They went back and kind of did like that crazy long series long after it was out. So I have a feeling Capcom will release something like that once it's out there. But Two thumb, thumb, thumbs up from you? Yeah. Yeah, two, two thumbs up right here. I think if you guys have uh, been sitting on the fence wondering, I think you can go up. Uh, yeah, this will probably be my one horror game for the year. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care about horror games. but <laughs> And I do. I, I do care about this one because And it's I fun. am really excited for this game. So not long to wait That's my well. problem with horror games most of the time is I just don't think they're very fun. Yeah. Well, they're not I, really. I, yeah. And I think this is – because well, because I don't think they're scary usually. Yeah. Ever. And so, like, to me, it's just like, okay, well, I don't like what I'm playing and I'm bored. So – that but like i really enjoyed playing this like the gameplay on this i think really is good did you find the actual monster closet in the demo i don't think so so there's a locker that you open and there's a freaking zombie inside the locker oh i opened a locker and a body fell but it didn't move oh there's one that you've opened up where the guy does move huh yeah <laughs> it's crazy it's like we make fun of monster closets it's almost like capcom was like oh we'll give you a monster yeah. closet we'll i did like the th I, the room i found the shotgun in has a bunch of like lockers that open through a digital code uh-huh and like every locker is like code like two whatever two something two hundred three two hundred four. It's like that's the block of lockers you're in. Uh -huh. And you go to the pad, and the two button is missing. Uh, and I'm just like, you dirty Resident dumb. Evil. <laughs> like, you have to find <laughs> you that have to find a freaking key. <laughs> and of course, there's a note next to it. This is like the pad's broken. Someone better go find another key. It's like, oh, you. Yeah, I hope it doesn't get too far into that stuff. Like. That is one thing I think they could dial back a little bit from the original RE2. And you know is, that key is going to take up the same inventory space as the shotgun. Oh, yeah. And, and, I've like... al and already <laughs> I've been doing the inventory management stuff. Like, I filled up my inventory already. Like, I didn't get two extra slots like you did. So already I got to a point where I was like, well, I guess I need to combine this red and this green yeah. herb into one so I can fit this extra, like, shotgun shells for the shotgun I don't have yet. Like, I'm already doing that, like, mental gymnastics mm -hmm. with my inventory. So... Pretty much all Resident Evil elements present and accounted for. Yeah, just it doesn't have the uh, it's the slots are uniform, so yeah. you don't have the thing where you have to sort of play Tetris with your bazooka. Not yet. I have a feeling you might though, because you start getting bigger guns. You know you're gonna get a gun that it takes up two. Did Maybe. the shotgun take up? No, the shotgun ones? took up one. Oh, it did. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's kind of a big. And deal. I did not run into a point because I kept you know you can pick up ammo and it lets you combine it with the ammo that's already in your your inventory. Yeah. I did not hit a point where I my ammo had a max. Uh, even though I got into like the high twenties at one point of pistol bullets, it's good. So, it's encouraging. I, f I felt like I was properly equipped uh, to deal with what was thrown at me. I'm sure that will change once the more interesting monsters show up. But. Yep, absolutely. 
to but wear. I was like, I, I, I had to convince myself to use the shotgun. I was like, because normally I'm like, I gotta save the shotgun. Uh, yeah, I gotta save it for liquors or yeah. whatever. Else. Like, nah, I should just see what Only it does. Only the big like, boys. Oh, yeah. Well, good. in this demo, you got 30 minutes, so just yeah. let it fly. Yeah. So there yeah. you go. That's the RE2 demo. We highly recommend you go download it and play it. Turn the lights out. Put some cans on. And you will lose it just like I did. Yeah, tons of uh, audio options. Oh, yeah. And the audio They're, sounds yeah, amazing. It's really good. Like, you can totally tell. Like, the one thing I will say is, you know, we were talking about how zombies go down, and then you're surprised when they get back up. Well, if you listen, mm -hmm. there are audio cues that will tell mm -hmm. you that that zombie isn't completely finished off yet. Yeah, they're, so. not, they're not quiet. Yeah. So... There you go. Not much longer um, to wait for the whole thing. A lot of bubbling thing. gases and stuff. <laughs> yeah, in, and lots in, of in gurgling and, yeah, the sound of, like, yeah. The, the sound design is great. The whole thing is pretty awesome. So go download mm. it if you haven't already. I think you're going to love it. Which brings us to our trailer of the week. Now, generally, the year starts off pretty slow for trailers, but so many big games are coming in the next few months that really the media circus has just continued on. And uh, so the trailer of the week this week is for actually a big game. In fact, it's a game that Matt drafted uh in his draft i think you took it fourth fifth or fifth, something, I think something fifth. like that and that game is metro exodus now metro games in general the stories have always been pretty good because they are kind of based on on a series of novels right yeah loosely loosely like, it's not like a one-to-one -one thing but yeah they're based on a, in the same way that kind of like witcher is yeah like they take the characters and they kind of do they take the characters, they take and the they world. And they take some liberties. They take some liberties. <laughs> they yeah. take some characters, and they take some liberties, which is the case with Metro. But Met, the, the first one is a more direct thing, but like the sequels have not been direct adaptations of the sequel books. Right. And uh, Metro, Metro games, they've never really pushed the narrative all that much, but that appears to be changing with Metro Exodus as they have put out a separate story trailer. Let's roll it. The sun on my face. Fresh air in my lungs. The grass beneath my feet. I'd heard of such things, yet I lived in a world without them. An underground world. I have no recollection of life before the blast. There's only Metro, nothing else. Just a girl when the bombs fell. You were right all along. It's not just Russia out there. It's the whole world. Could such things exist again? I live in hope. So let your hands slay the enemy's servants with no rest or mercy. See the people I have to work with here? Complete and utter degradation. We are the government you people deserve. I'll drown you in your own blood! So you do understand. There is no other way. Man is a beast. A beast! Who are those people trying to kill us? It's this. But don't you see what you're doing to my daughter? Your wife? You're not saving anyone! I live in hope. But the future is still all I fear. 
So already that's more uh, pros than I think I've gotten out of the first other or the other Metro ga- games mm-hmm. combined. So well, they had some. St- I mean, they're, they're, at least they focus on the same characters moving forward through the story. Yeah, you're, you're the same, you're also, I can't remember the guy's name. It's not Alexios. It's some Russian name. I, I can never remember. Vladimir. Uh, no, it's like it's a like <laughs> Alexi. I don't know, but it's the same guy. He's he's been that you're he's been your player character all three games. So. Yeah. And uh, you know, but the, but the games are known somewhat, especially the second one, known for like more you know the world building and the story to some degree. Yep. Um, not just shooting demons in the face and Nazis and communists. Uh, Mostly communists. A lot of commies. Yeah. The, the Red <laughs> Army is sort of the main antagonist. Yeah. Uh, I would say. Um, but there, you know, there's there's demons and Nazis and uh, with the Polis guys and those guys. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm not a huge Metro fan, but like. Just because it's, you know, it was a survival thing, but the the remasters actually added a um, an option to play it in Spartan mode, which is like less survival stuff and just more run and gun, um, and less more forgiving stealth, which I thought was a much made it much better for me. So yeah, I'm into it. I saw some of you guys subscribe through Twitch Prime while the show was going on. I'm scrolling back up right now trying to find everyone who did that, but it appears that the chat is being cut off. And I can't get to it. So anyone who has subscribed through Twitch Prime, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Uh, those of you may be ready to re-up as well now that we're in the new year. But let's get to some questions. Matt, do you have one? Um, scrolling all around. W. Matthew, what do you think will be the biggest game sales-wise of 2019? Uh, he says, my guess is Pokemon. That's a pretty good guess. Yeah, I think that's probably the best guess. Uh, I think it, it comes out this year. Yeah, that's, I would say. Yeah, that's... I mean, it depends on what comes out. Like if uh, hmm, even The Last of Us Part Two, I don't think can outsell Pokemon. No. But I mean, again, another part of it is what's the install base of Switch at that point? Yeah. I mean, you're not going to sell one to one. That's just no, not going to happen. But you might sell one to one to two. It might be I like mean, it's, 50, 75 yeah. percent penetration of the user base. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's not uh, out of. It's not out of the question. Um, and Last of Us Two. I mean, Last of Us sold very well, but Pokemon well. I mean, honestly, especially because you got you can combine the two versions of the Pokemon game, which is sort of cheating. But most people only buy one. Yeah, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's probably going to be Call of Duty Modern Warfare Four. I don't know. Maybe. It'll be a close battle between that much, and Pokemon. They, has anyone said how much the last one did it? No, they haven't for? announced anything. I mean, typically, Call of Duty, 15 to $20 million. Mm-hmm. And also, W. Matthew, we don't know if you're saying what will sell most by December 31st or yeah. what ultimately will sell the most. And that's a big difference because Call of Duty gets all its sales literally in six months and then another one comes out. This Pokemon game is going to have legs for a while. The Last of Us Part Two is going to have legs for a while. Who knows what happened with, with Death Stranding? I mean, if it even comes out, like, how's it going to sell? It's so weird. It's I mean, like Death Stranding is not going to sell Pokemon. No, numbers. no, 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 definitely not. Um, trying to think of any other properties that even have a chance. At the at the top shot, mm. no, just Call of Duty. Really, Call that's the only game that could really yeah, top COD it. and Pokemon. Yeah. No Rockstar game. There's no Assassin's Creed. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, it's going to be a big year for Switch, I think. Uh, Next. JReadVic7, why hasn't there ever been a major controversy surrounding Activision or Call of Duty? 
akin to what EA gets all the time, given that they've been the center of microtransactions. I can just stop your question right there. It, it, because one is successful and one isn't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you're talking about in reference to uh, two games that we talked about earlier, but this is Call of Duty. Call of Duty does very, very well. Generally, you only get dirt when things aren't going well and people get frustrated and fed up. That's when they start dishing stuff out to the media or say they start talking about things that are going wrong. Call of Duty sells 15 to 20 million copies every year. No one really has anything to complain about. So I think that's kind of the root of it. Uh, I'm sure there is crappy stuff that happens developing all of the Call of Duty games. People hate each other that work on the teams. People disagree on the direction of the games. You can go on and on. But ultimately, the product ends up being successful. But when you talk about what's going on with Activision and Bungie, they really have not lived up to what they were expecting. They have not sold as well as they have hoped. Uh, Bungie has not put out as many games as it was supposed to, according to the contract assigned with Activision. So on both sides of the aisle, neither party is happy, and that's when you start getting the dirt kicked up. Um, I mean, to be fair, though, there was some controversy about Call of Duty. We talked about it earlier in the show uh, with Vince Ampella in Infinity War. Vince and his partner, who went on to form Respawn, sued Activision and won. Won, what was it, $147 million, something like that. It was an insane judgment. So... There has been some controversy um, as far as Activision not paying out what it should have to uh, people who worked on the yeah, franchise. But I think he's asking about like controversy, like oh, like the whole like stop the loot boxes thing, right? Because they're in, and, they're, and the, yeah, the answer is because they sell and no one cares. Yeah. Well, I think Call of Duty does a pretty good job with how it does that stuff, though. Well, there was like the, you get so much content on the disc. It's they had, like they attempted some things with like you know buying guns in the they re- had loot the boxes in prior games. In the, Straight up loot boxes. Yeah, but also like loot boxes that weren't just cosmetic. Yeah, um, and I think they adjusted. They they changed that. They did. Um, but mainly it's because it's too big, and yeah. uh, and and most of that stuff happened before you had. Um, it's a weird mix of it's too big and it's not big enough because like. Call of Duty's big enough that it can just sort of, like, ignore the complaints. Whereas, like, Fortnite was so big, but it was also kids. Yeah. You know, it's so popular with kids that that's when you finally got some of these other countries starting to look into their gambling laws and how they applied to yep. those things. Yeah. Um, so I would say like, Call, Call of Duty was actually kind of in a weird sweet spot where they were big enough to ignore the complaints, but weren't far-reaching to, like... They're also the, M-rated. They, they weren't far-reaching to the yeah. youth market enough that parents got upset about it. Yeah, an M-rated game lets you off the hook in a lot of situations. Yeah. Whereas Fortnite's T? Yeah, or is it Fortnite's E-10? T. Fortnite's T. T? Yeah, because you're shooting people. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like, you know, with Call of Duty, even even if the, the question had been raised, I, all Activision had to say was, like, well, it's M-rated, so they shouldn't be playing it, so go away. So, we'll see, you know, I think that's part of it. Um, From Tomb Raiders, you guys didn't add any... Stakes for who loses or wins the fantasy draft this year. Do you plan to? That's a good question because I don't think I did my penance for last year. Nope. I don't think I ever did. And we haven't even talked about one for this year. So maybe we need to do just like a, a punish stream yeah. where you where I get punished first and then you get punished. Maybe. To just make up for the last two years all at once. Yeah. We'll figure something out. Mm. The fun is in the competition, though. It's not about the... I know you guys want to see the punishment. <laughs> but for me... They just the, want to see me make you play Dark Souls. Probably, yeah. And they probably want me to make you play Call of Duty or something. So uh, I know you guys want to see us suffer. But uh, to me, the fun is just in the playing and the competition. So I think I would probably just make you play fighting games with me and 
Just you know, try to win one round. Because well, you don't like to lose, so after yeah. a few hours of that, you just you just be really mad. I would not last a few hours of that. I'll guarantee you that. I'll bust out all the weird Dreamcast stuff. And all, that. <laughs> all right, and this one were blobs of ink. <laughs> You're gonna bust and, out Clay Fighter yeah. sixty four and a third. <laughs> we're gonna play every single King of Fighters <laughs> in order. I'd be okay with that. I like King of Fighters actually. Uh, Alex. A lot of King of Fighters games. <laughs> Assuming the Disney-EA relationship eventually ends, could you see Disney poaching top talent uh, to make games in-house with their own new studios, or would they choose another existing publisher developer to make them? Dream scenario for me would be Open World Star Wars by Guerrilla Games. I can tell you with 98% certainty, Disney will never make an in-house game development anything ever again. Yeah. They have no interest in it. They don't want to run it. They don't want to own it. They don't want to pay for it. They don't want to have anything to do with that. Uh, so they've they would, tried yeah, they've three done it before. separate times or yeah, two separate times? Dis- Where they started, three. quit, started again. Yeah, they, they just don't want to do it. And the, the, then the, the early shutdown of um, Disney Infinity and all that was sort of the... It's, it's a similar thing to Activision where it's like, if you're not making a billion dollars for us, we don't it. want you in the fold. Yeah, Pactor's um, talked about this. Someone asked this yeah. question for Pactor Factor one week and he basically said... It's just not, they were making money, but not enough money. Because yeah. he started talking about what Disney generates from all its other business units. Yeah. And it's like a joke. It's like, yeah, why it's are we doing this? Yeah, it's not matter. It's like how, um, it's like, you know, so, so what, the, the, all the controversy over the border wall, which is like $5.7 billion yeah. or something like that. And a bunch of people who supported it started like an Indiegogo fund or something. And they, they made, uh, they, they made something like, 20 million. 20 million. Was, yeah, 20 yeah. million of, I think, the guy. And it's like, that's the, if you do the actual percentage math, it's like if you wanted to buy a $20,000 car and I gave you 70 bucks to help. I know, it's, yeah. nothing. it's nothing. It's yeah. absolutely nothing. And that's like the whole thing with like Disney Infinity is like, we wouldn't even notice if this was gone from our bottom line. So we're going to make it go from our because bottom line. The, the, what we are getting from it is a big headache and a bunch of hassle. Yeah, it's too... Yeah, we, we, we for could, nothing. We could put the people who have to manage this on other things. And, and I'm so, okay with Ubisoft making yeah. Disney. Like, I'm, I'm okay with other publishers doing it. I, th- I, I think mean, they Disney, will, would you I, be happy if Disney just started random studios and just started... And also like, remember... If they'd be bad games. Remember, this is not Disney's decision. Yeah, it's, it's Lucasfilm's decision yeah. because what Disney has decided is to hand Marvel and Kingdom Hearts over to Square, but Lucasfilm picked EA. So yep. we'll see what Lucasfilm decides to do going forward. I have a feeling they're gonna be like, "We're gonna get the hell out of Dodge." I don't know. I mean, we've mentioned that before, but it's yeah. just like it pulling yourself out of that relationship that you've spent years building a pipeline for yeah is and starting over with a brand new company is just oh my god it's it so sucks but stupid. sometimes you gotta do but it i think with you know in the light of today's news where they canceled another one and you know now so basically now we're looking at fallen jedi what We've else is in the pipeline more cancellations than announcements that's true think about that we've had more cancellations than releases yeah oh yeah way more <laughs> way more so now we got fallen jedi and Battlefront Three. Battlefront Three. You know Battlefront Three is coming. So dropping the ball. Uh, Joaquin Dragoon, are you ever interested in anime games like Jump Force coming in February? Me? No. No. Not <laughs> Sorry. that one. Uh, I'm too old for most. Because uh, like, I just I cannot resonate with anime anymore. I never really did. Yeah. Like when I was like uh, 
I don't know, like 19 years old. I was really into animation just in general and like 3D animation. Because it was like the first time, like I used to watch liquid television on MTV. And you get like the first look at anime in the U.S. really to a commercial audience. Well, 10 years later. To a commercial audience, though. Voltron, Robotech, uh, Astro Boy, Speed Racer. Anime had been part of the commercial, commercial yeah, landscape. Yeah, but they weren't. Ca- it wasn't like, called li- anime then, though. Well, it was that, just that cartoons matter. from well, Japan. A, well, yeah, but well, Japanimation or whatever you call it. But like that had been introduced already to the market. Liquid Television was a much more niche thing, and I actually can't remember any anime from it. Um, actual j- Japanese animation. Ion Flux. Ion Flux is not Japanese. Is that you, is that Western? That was Western, and I think Korean. Okay, that, uh, that was sense. not Japanese anime. That was I. I loved it, but it was not. It, it looked like it. Well, the, sti- style. the style is there, yeah. but it actually has, it has a, a slightly difference. I always knew it was not that because it also had a lot of heavy metal magazine influence. There's there's some shit going on there, but it, anime's. I mean, that's what that I'm saying. That era, that but that show convinced me to start looking into anime, and then right. I started watching stuff like the more commercial stuff, like Akira, Vampire Hunter D, stuff yeah. like that that made the rounds. Well, um, that's the kind of age. I mean, to me, I was I did like anime growing up, and I, but I liked you know Macross and. And Gundam and like kind of the stuff of the time. Um, I mean, I watched Voltron Akira, as a kid. Vol- I just yeah, Voltron, didn't know it was Akira. Anime. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they have, there's, a, there's that like fleet of like great anime films, the theatrically released films that made it to the U.S. Uh, in that kind of late '80s to early '90s. You had Akira. You had uh, um, Ghost in the Shell. You, had, you know, um, that's Ninja, all the stuff. Ninja I Scroll, all the stuff yeah. you rented from Blockbuster. You Pretty know. much. Yeah. Um, but like the stuff that's in Jump Force is like, I'm too. I was too old i was an adult by the time one piece and yeah and like naruto i don't care about one piece i don't care about naruto, like, naruto or all... dbz i do like um i do like Yu-Gi-Oh, uh but not enough to buy a 60 dollars game for it the other thing i would say about anime too is it seems like the worst people i run into online all have anime avatars <laughs> why is that uh, it's, a, it's a it's an ongoing meme it's, oh it yeah. is yeah it's, it's a common statement oh why is that mm-hmm there's also research that came out uh, this past week that uh, anime fans in high schools, anime fans are the most of the bottom social strata, uh, like the most looked looked down on. Wait, which does which, that explain it? I'm not know, sure. Which was crazy to me because when I was in high school, anime was so niche there wasn't. That wasn't a thing. Honestly, you could be. anime. When I was in school, the cool kids watched the it anime. Was a, like it was like a, the dorks, the the norms didn't even know it existed. Yeah, well, because it, it was something that people who were in the subculture like looked for and found and watched. Yeah, it had more of a of a yeah, underground underground like, thing, and like yeah. it, was, it was like where your parents like leaning enough to let you rent the right. the mature stuff from that part of the blockbuster. Yeah. yeah. And that kind of, yeah. Yep. Because I mean, Ninja Scroll was like, oh, you've seen Ninja Scroll because everybody gets cut up and everybody's naked all the time. Like, yep. But like, technical um, rape. Yeah, oh yeah. Urotsuka Doji. They had that at Blockbuster in part because I don't think they knew what it was. <laughs> it's <just laughs> like, yeah, that's that's hardcore stuff. But like, um, no, nah, jump the Jump Force stuff is not interesting to me. I mean, I think it's interesting that it looks like that. Like, it's an art style I would not have expected them to pick for that game. So yeah. I'm, I'm interested when I see it. In that regard, but I'm not going to buy it. I mean, it doesn't look like a good fighting game. No, I mean, it looks like an arena fighter, like a... Um, it's a brawler. Like a, like a Power Stone kind of thing. I mean, I know... Oh, well, hey, if it was Power Stone, I'd that's be a, all that's in. That's a but... dated uh, <laughs> thing. But, or like uh, like the Gundam versus games. Yeah. it's like all the Dragon Ball fighting yeah. games. Yeah. 
except big massive except arenas. fighters, right? Which uh, which is the best one? Yeah, which I will play because it's more <laughs> like the thing I recognize. That's uh, the other thing is like I just don't like those three D fighting unless it's virtual own. I'm kind of the the fighting arena things. I'm not really into that. Me either. Uh, Justin Horman, what game have you bought the most times? I Super mean, Mario probably Brothers. Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, yeah. no question. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's else even closer. If you, I mean, if you want to like eliminate things that have just sort of ended up on my various systems for like, probably The Witcher Three, the okay. various some of, one of the Witcher games because I have every version and every release and every. I mean, I have four cop four different versions of the original and like every version of the second one and then like the re-releases like it's probably a Witcher game in there somewhere or Eco. I have a lot of copies of Eco as well, yep, and just true. got another copy of Eco last week thanks to the stand user. That's right. Um, Joaquin, you've asked a bunch of great questions, but we're going to just go one per user tonight. Uh, Casey Wright, why no MLB the show for the Fantasy League? It always scores in the 80s. I forgot. Yeah, we just Frankly. Uh, we're not perfect. <laughs> we're not computers. We can't remember every single game. Uh, I mean, it's That is told, also interesting when you do like the, the, you know, the games of 2019 thing, you look at the Wikipedia article or like kind of the Google search, the sports stuff does they're not never there. come up. They're not yeah. there. Even though like we know they're coming, there's no, nothing there. There's no expected Call thing. of Duty's never there either. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's until, really it's, until it's announced. Yeah, I, I think people just assume. It's like, yeah, I mean, you know, Matt had a technique of drafting NBA 2K every year, and that worked for three years. But then last year, what happens is as a generation wears on, they stop adding new features and the scores start to go down. Mm-hmm. And I think Matt got an 80 or an 81 from it last year or something like that. Yeah, it wasn't like stellar. Yeah, there's no up. After a while, there's no upside with sports games. And I think maybe you're just hoping this, that you pick something else. There is a chance of maybe it being doing a little better than you might suspect. With a sports game, you kind of know what you're getting. And you can really look at the scores from prior years and kind of know what you're going to get the next year. So... To me, even a game like Jump Force might be worth drafting over a game like MLB The Show because, yeah, okay, you may say right at, right at the beginning, oh, well, obviously MLB The Show is going to score. You don't know that. We know what MLB The Show is mm-hmm. going to score, but we don't know how high or low Jump Force is going to score. So I'd rather go with a game that may have a chance of having a little upside but maybe scores .2 lower than that 8 that I know a sports game is going to get. Oh, by the way... Um, we are doing uh, a draft with Sifters. And if you want to get into the league, I think the draft's happening on Friday, like all day. Um, but if you want to get into the league, talk to McWomble, who you can find anywhere on Sifted, or you can go into our Discord, and they're talking about it there. But draft is going to happen on Friday. So if you want to get in, make sure you get in touch with us. Or you can just at me on the site. Just DM me at Shane uh, on Sifted, and uh, I'll point you in the right direction so you can get in the league. Uh, let's answer one or two more. If we got them anyway. Mm. Heading them J, if RE2 is successful, would you like to see a remake of RE3? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. The only one that I probably don't know if it could be improved with a remake is Code Veronica. Uh, Code Veronica would be a hard one. Because it's already time. in 3D. Well, you could improve it by Ish. making it not control like complete shit. Because, yeah. <laughs> um, man, like... Yeah, you go back and play that now, it is not holding up. Look, I well. don't like the old 
survival horror game. I think the the tank the, controls. The, the tank controls in, in conjunction with the static camera. Like when when you do like Silent Hill when the camera moved, I found that better because I. But I, but no, you know, you're trying to create like a movie like atmosphere. No movie's just a bunch of lockdown shots like that. It, it always looked artificial and a technological limitation to me. But I had some friends who are hardcore horror fans and loved all the Resident Evil, loved all the horror stuff. And you know the 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 re you know the, the remasters would come out on GameCube and on Xbox Live, and they'd buy them and play through them again. And I'd be like, I can't, I can't do this. I just hate it. I just I never liked it. I played it in spite of itself, and now it has even less appeal because I've already played it and it's you know ten years out of date. But when Code Veronica came out on Xbox Live Arcade, those three guys they you know they all bought it, and within because we would be on the headsets in like the group chat playing different things and talking, and. Within 30 minutes, all of them were like, "I can't do this. I can't." Oh, play I love Code Veronica when it came out. I thought it was my favorite one uh, for a while. When I it came loved out on the it. Dreamcast, but they all like, "This is too far gone. Yeah, like, can't. It's unplayable now. <laughs> it's terrible." And yeah, so, when it came out, I loved it. So I think you could. Uh, that is one of those games where I was wrong ultimately. I think Code Veronica could could be uh, a really interesting uh, study in how a remake could like make something that just has not aged well at all like still work again yeah but i think the problem is that like the villain would be very problematic now yep <laughs> it's, it's, uh, <laughs> that's one way to put it is a, a it's basically like trans panic the villain you pretty so much yeah i think it might be best to just leave Le- that let that sleeping dog lie absolutely <laughs> especially because it doesn't add anything of value to the mythos really yep. like it's it's Except that opening cinema. That opening cinema with Jill, like, doing all the badass stuff is pretty cool. It is, But yeah. I can just go back and watch that on, the, on YouTube when I need to. Uh, one last question. This one comes from Vincent. Did you guys see the pre-alpha footage of Disney Infinity 4? I absolutely did. It's on Sifted yeah, right now. That's I crazy. Did. They were real far on that thing. I mean, you, and they, you know, I, think I mean, they just like, pulled the plug, yeah, like, right at the end, done. it appears. Yeah. And they did, kind of did the same thing with that uh, the Marvel Heroes game. Yeah, that Brazilian was was on. It's like I it, like that game a lot. At a certain point, it's just called cutting your losses. Pretty much because they're yeah. like, wait, we haven't sent all these toys into manufacturing yet. Okay, saved by the yeah. bell. We we've only burned twenty million making the game so far. No big deal. Yeah. When you talk about warehouses full of toys that no one will buy, mm-hmm. that's twenty million is nothing. So yeah, I was shocked to see how far along it was, but at the same time. I, mean, I, can, they, I can still understand why they killed it. Yeah, and if they'd gone ahead with it, I think we'd still see some of those things sitting on shelves today. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that whole thing was over. Yep. I mean, you still see Skylanders today sitting around at Target. Oh, yeah. I have Skylanders in my closets that I need to just throw out the window and hope somebody picks it up on the <laughs> street. Like, <laughs> uh, I saw someone ask about how do you get to the Discord. Uh, there's a Discord link in the footer of the website. And there's also a an image in the top carousel that just says Discord gigantically. Mm-hmm. Just click on it, and that'll take you right to our Discord channel. So that's it. Game Face episode 153 is a wrap. Like I said, we are doing our summit in two days. Stay tuned to Sifted's Twitter page, which is at Sifted Games, and we'll let you guys know the exact time we're going to do it. It'll probably last an hour or two. I will have stuff organized. It's not going to be this crazy mosh pit of people throwing ideas out there. It will be very organized. You guys will have appropriate times to kind of give your feedback. Uh, Otherwise, it just turns into chaos and we get nothing done. So it'll be very structured. I'll have kind of a a list of stuff that we're going to go through bullet points. um, And I'll ask for your input whenever we need it. And uh, we'll go from there. So 
as always, Sifted is all about us, not me and not we. And uh, we want to make sure it's a site that you guys want to go to and a site that we can uh, succeed with going forward. So start putting your thinking caps on, start jotting down some notes over the next couple of days if you're so inclined. And uh, we'll see you guys on the summit on Thursday. Again, if you're watching the show on YouTube, it would be awesome if you could give us some money on our Patreon. If not, just go down below and there are directions to hook us up with Twitch Prime. You can give us a free $2.50 every single month. So with that, everyone have a great week. Game Face is up and out. Thank <laughs> you.